Okay, let's start the show. It's September 25th, 2014. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Smith. Norman Chan, still not wearing headphones, keeping the hair straight. How are you doing, sir? Thoroughly stimulated. Coffee? What, what's your situation stimulation-wise? Uh, coffee. Okay. And virtual reality on the brain. Okay. Norman Chan. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> last time I was here, Norman brought his, uh, his mail to read. Yeah. During the Apple and, podcast. And he showed the stickers to everyone. And he needs to apologize for the way he showed those stickers because I don't think they could see them. People were sad. People saw the stickers. They just recognized their own stickers. That's but today, true. Norman is engaged, and I'm happy about that. He, he's happy. He's here with us. He only has two devices in front of him this week, so it's a it's a novel change. Uh, Jeremy Williams, how are you doing, sir? I'm all right. It's good to have you back. Thanks. Uh, things have happened since the last time we saw you, but we have stuff to announce before we do anything else. Cool. We're not going to do a, the normal bullshit talking about stuff. We're going to talk about real business on October 25th, 2014 in San Francisco, California at the Castro Theater at one o'clock in the afternoon. Let's repeat that. Saturday, October 25th. That's uh, a week um, before uh, Halloween. It's a month from now. A month from uh, today. today. We are going to be doing a live stage show at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. The historic Castro Theater. The historic Theater. Castro Theater. When we say we, all tested. Uh, everyone here uh-huh. will be there. Jamie and Adam will be there. Uh, this will be your chance to see us do some stuff on stage and also possibly meet us. We might have a hangout. Um, anyway, tickets what, what are- What kind of stuff, Norm? What kind of stuff will people be doing on stage? So uh, this is not like Behind the Myths, which is Jamie and Adam's own stage show and tour. We're not announcing a tour. We're not doing a tour. The only plan right now is we had the opportunity because of the Bay Area Science Festival is going on that week to do something cool on stage. And so it's about a two and a half hour show where we're going to be having there be presentations from people here, from our friends, from makers, a celebration of making. And we're also going to be doing a uh, maybe a recording of the talking room. So the idea is that we're putting on basically a week of tested live on stage on Saturday, Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, 1 PM. Um, um, get it, lunch in the area, go watch our show. We'll have merch. Uh, two and a half hours, I think is the yep, target we'll, runtime for the show. If you need to make other events 4 PM, we'll make sure you get out by 4 PM, but we'll be around uh, for a while after that. And it's one big hangout to watch us shoot our things. Um, like basically imagine a full week or more, a week plus of the stuff we would have untested, but shot live and presented on a way that would be cool uh, for a, st- a stage on a live but, audience. But Norm, I just looked at my calendar and realized I'm not going to be in San Francisco on October 25th. What if I'm a tested premium member or just a normal tested member and would like to partake in the awesomeness of this stage show myself? Well, we're going to film everything. Oh, so, wow. Cool. Um, We'll have more than the weeks of videos afterward. I don't think we're going to, we haven't decided, but I don't think it's going to be like one, two and a half hour video that we're putting no, out. I think we'll chunk them up. We'll probably. chunk them up in the segments and release them, edit them. Um, so it, it's going to be cool. I'm, it, I'm sorry that it's only for San Francisco right now. That's just the physical limitations of a physical show. Um, You're saying there's no technology. There's that would no let technology, us do just technology to telepresence multi- everywhere. We, we could talk to those movie theater people and oh, simulcast it to a bunch of movie theaters. Fathom events. 
one night only. We, do, we don't have the technology to do that this year or this time. I'm pretty sure my phone can do that, Norm. <laughs> you wanna, do you want to record it and live stream yeah. it to a theater? Jeremy's going to live stream it <laughs> to theaters around the country. Have you guys um, thought about a block of hotel rooms or anything like that? Uh, no, we have not thought about that. <laughs> Thanks for bringing um, it up, though. Okay. What would we recommend for people? If you want to travel, you're more than welcome to. I, I think it's going to be a great event. Uh, the Castro Theater is right outside one of the major bus stations in San Francisco. It's also easily accessible. And subway. It's two and blocks subway. from Muni, yeah. yeah. So yeah. anywhere. They're literally right outside the, the bus station is yes. the Castro Theater. So if you come downtown or come to San Francisco, stay any hotel downtown close to the main Muni, that's our subway line, uh, you're no more than 15 minutes away from the Castro. Yeah. And it's, it's a really walkable city. You can take BART and from the airport to, to Union Square yeah. if you want to stay down there. Um, and then there's a bunch of like hotels and hostels in the Mission, which is about a 10-minute walk to the Castro. So make a day out of it. Make a trip out of it. It's the Bay Area Science Festival. So at that theater that night, there are going to be two other events that we're not a part of, but I think are going to be pretty cool. Uh, there's an event called BAFES, which is uh, like scientists talking about weird theories and 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 basically a, a debate on... They're, they're like... It's like... What kind of weird uh, it's like the they, they like, do fake theories about scientific things. So it's like, is it like an improv thing? It's kind of like an improv mm, thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then on the, that night, um, Rebecca Watson, who's a friend of Adams, will be doing a panel uh, of people. Phil Plate's going to be there. The bad astronomer from Slate, uh, Anna Lee Newitz from IO9 is going to be there, and they're going to be doing a, like a quiz show for nerds uh, that night. Um, yeah, Bafest is the festival of bad ad hoc hypotheses. Um, but anyway, tickets for our show, which we think you should attend if you're in the area, if you can make it, are on sale now by the time yeah. you listen to this podcast. Um, you can go to tested.com. We'll have a link prominently on the front page. Or uh, you can go to testedlive.eventbrite.com. That's all one word, testedlive.eventbrite.com. And there are tickets from... Twenty dollars to uh, for the general orchestra to forty dollars for a VIP area, mm-hmm. um, and if you're a tested premium member, check your email because we gave you guys a special discount code. What did the VIP area uh, get? Uh, there's gonna be a meet and greet after the show. They're they're also in the area where they might get wet. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's the best seats uh, meet, in the front. Meet and greet with uh, with all four of us oh, and the presenters. If you want to hang and around, you, Jeremy. Yeah, if you want, we'll have the speakers. Um, anybody who wants to come up up there. So we'll have like a whole a, a reception uh, after the show, uh, where we'll have the stuff. The people who did presentations will be around. We'll be around. Um, we're asking people. We'll have a photographer there taking pictures, but we're asking people not to ask for personal pictures because uh, Jamie and Adam want to talk with people and not spend the entire time uh, in taking the photo pictures. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing to note is if you're if you're a member and you want to come to San Francisco, um, post in the thread on the site so that we know how many people are coming. And if it looks like there's enough interest, we'll do a, just a general tested meetup where we take over part of a bar or something after the show, after after the show, and we'll come over and, and have beers and and chat with people after after the whole thing wraps up. So, um, so that's that. It's tested the show. Again, we're doing it live on stage October 25th, 2014, 1 p.m. at the Castro Theater. I think that's a Saturday, uh, and we're going to do a week of tested live on stage. Jeremy, you're going to be there? Yes, you've invited me to be there. Now all I need is something to talk about. You, I feel like you probably have that under control. I'll work it out. Yeah, you're, you're, you're slow playing this thing, but I feel good about what, where you're going with it. Um, so we, a lot of stuff's happened this week. Should we just jump right into it? Well, it's a big week. The big question I know a lot of people, especially podcast listeners, are going to ask. Yeah. And have asked related to this announcement is, is there an Octobercast? Oh, 
Is there an Oktobercast? Oktobercast is not going to happen in October this year. Um, for a couple of reasons. We we wanted to move Oktobercast anyway because it had been crashing into extra life the last few years. And I feel like like we raised less, you know, at, at the beginning, Oktobercast is a charity event. And the goal is to raise money for kids, sometimes electrons, sometimes doctors, all sorts of people, uh, good causes around the world. Uh, and and we're totally down with using spending the time and energy on Oktobercast, but we raised less money each year than the year before, which was a little dis- disconcerting. Uh, and looking at uh, Extra Life, which is an awesome event, and raised more money each year than the year before, we're like, hmm. maybe, maybe we shouldn't do this the same weekend as Extra Life. So, um, so we're gonna go back to the back table. Maybe my dream of having Oktobercast in April. Maybe that'll happen. We don't know. We'll uh, look at times and schedule and all that stuff and see when people can talk and and see what works. I don't think people are your fans are married to the date. They just want to know that one's going to happen. They want they want a 24 hour podcast. We understand that in the meantime to fulfill their Jones for 24 hour podcasting. I think and I got to talk to my wife and make sure she's okay with this. We'll probably do an extra life thing. At least some of us. So. Oh, cool. Um. So there, there's your October 24 hours of nonsense. I feel like playing video games for 24 hours is a lot easier than maintaining conversation for 24 hours. Gosh. But I could be wrong. We'll find out. Next year could be a virtual 24 hours. Oh, my God. How would you, you do a virtual do 24 That's hours? That's unhealthy. Oh. You put not, the not goggles if, on? Not if, not if sustained presence is a viable thing. Wow, that would be the test, wouldn't it? That uh, would be the test. Wow. How much money do you think we don't have? If, if we're doing something for 24 hours, it's got to be something different. Just to be clear, you talked really big last year. Last year was not six. Last year was 60 hertz. Yeah. That's bullshit. <laughs> and you lasted 90, 90 minutes, plus. maybe? There's 90 plus is the way to go. You didn't even make it to the donation cutoff, if I recall. <laughs> 90, you were, you were, 90 plus. The, the, my That's impersonation the, of Norm is you with your head between your knees going. <sighs> and I raised and more money was raised with that segment than any other segment. So you're welcome. You didn't. You didn't uh, reach the donation cutoff. People made donations. Okay. Okay. They do Plenty like to watch you suffer. Um, Thank. You're welcome, electrons. Anyway, Oktobercast is is not in October, but it is not forgotten. We'll come up with something for it in the future. And go go harass Gary. Make him do it. Gary. Yes. <laughs> if, if you want Oktobercast, harass Gary. Don't harass him. <laughs> Don't harass. <laughs> Don't Gary. harass. Gary. If, if anything, harass Norm, and he can be the proxy for harassing Gary. Um, wow. Okay, some stuff happened this week. Are we ready to talk about technology news? Go. Well, the new iPhone came out. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> Norm, you were um, in Los Angeles, California, Hollywood. New I think. Kindle. Okay, this is how crazy last week was. Oh, yeah. The iPhone came out. Did the Kindle come out after the podcast last week? Yes. Oh, holy shit. We recorded the podcast last Wednesday morning when the rumors of a leaked Kindle. Oh, that's right. And then in the time I flew to LA, it was during my during my flight, the Kindles came out. It was posted it was posted on Amazon like as I was uploading the podcast to the internet. I was I was like, "Oh, well, here's my notes about the rumored Kindle. Um, iPhone, Kindle, Kindle. Yeah. And video graphics cards? Yeah, okay. Oculus Oculus stuff. Uh, the the Moto uh, 360 came out. The uh, that was the that was all, uh, yeah, all right. Uh, the uh, the ca- the camera stuff from um, from the, that event. Uh, Photo Kina. I don't think anybody really cares about that except oh, for f- camera people. Was it I mean, the, the D7 or something? Yeah, the 7D. 7D. And yeah. that's just Canon. I mean, and there's a bunch of other announcements from other companies. Um, crazy tech week. Craziest tech week. So I, I didn't it, put. I it didn't was put the, the 2007. Did just then. 
It was the 2007 of Tech Weeks for game. <laughs> Maybe it was the 1997 of Tech Weeks. Um, remember that year when Half Life and Sin came out seven days from each other, and Heretic Two was right there. It's a good couple of days for Quake Engine games. Uh, new Here, Kindles, yeah, Kindles. That's exciting stuff. Uh, Kindle Voyage, I two hundred dollars. You know, this is actually a legit, legit, uh, interesting product because I think for a long time, uh, Kindles were becoming commodity products, and I think people love their Kindles. Amazon wants people to love their Kindles in the same way that people iPhone users love their iPhones, right. and a lot of Kindle users, while perfectly sufficient and happy with the experience of the current Kindles, are looking for excuses for new shiny things, and this is an excuse to buy a new shiny thing for two hundred dollars. They're the I, only ones doing the e-ink technology, and they're iterating on that really well well what okay so i thought when they released the paper white the which was the first one with the integrated backlight yeah. that you didn't need a, a kind of dangly on front light to read in the in the dark i figured that was probably that's they, it they'd reached a point you, mm -hmm. like, you're done top of the mountain um the next year they released an incremental upgrade that was uh, basically a better contrast ratio on the screen but everything else more or less the same uh, this Kindle Voyage, which is two hundred bucks uh, or two twenty without offers, and I think you can get a three G version for another seventy bucks on top of that. Doesn't it come with three G? No, it comes with Wi Fi. They all come. The cheap one is always Wi Fi. Wow, it's two seventy with with but, the three G. But there's, with no special service, there's no service contract, right? It's, it's like free forever. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Um, expensive without reader. without special offers and with free three G, it's two hundred eighty nine dollars. So that's the most expensive you can make it. I think people buy the $200 version if yeah. they're buying it at all. Sure. Um, it's the, the, the big sell. There's a couple of big changes. One is that it's a higher resolution display. So it's 300 PPI, which is roughly analogous to the original iPad retina, retina iPad. Yeah. You said it just wouldn't matter, hmm? but you're happy with I, the current Kindle. I, I feel like the first, the initial, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't seen it yet. So it's difficult to say, right? When you're looking at pictures. You don't get a sense of what increased PPI, increased pixel density is, is does for you on a screen like this. Or meaningful in reading. Right. Reading long. Do you it, recall what the old one was? It's 160 something, I think. Oh, this it's is pretty almost low. double then. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm pulling that out of my head. I don't remember. But okay. I th I, my re recollection is it's like 150, 180, somewhere in there. Um, the, the interesting thing about this is I wouldn't have thought that they would make this product at 200 bucks. So, so the existing paper white stays, it's 120 bucks, I think still for the, for the cheap version with offers and no three G. Um, there's also an $89 version, which now still doesn't have the backlight, but does have touch controls. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have the physical page turn buttons that it had previously. That seems like a big deal to me. The Chud Kindle. The, I, the fact that they're price segmenting the Kindles like this so that the, Oh, oh geez. I could have put that on silent. That was Jeremy Williams. <laughs> um, the fact that they're, they're I, mean, I think from a business standpoint, it's brilliant that they're going to make a ton of money selling high-end Kindles to high-end Kindle readers and no longer becomes an egalitarian product. Well, I don't but think now, that's true. I don't know, man. Yeah, you're you're like you don't. Well, first off, you don't read books, right? I as have a physical rule. books, right? As, you as okay, you buy physical rule. books. Yeah, I have physical books. Okay. I feel like that $80, $80 Kindle is a product that is an, a, a really good gift because it's yes. under a hundred bucks. That's it's great. Thinking. You give it to a lot of people. Um, B it's, it's cheap enough that you treat it more like a normal book than you would say a $200 Kindle or an iPad or something like that. Like I, I take a Kindle to, the, I even take the paper white to so the beach. Both. Huh? 
Are you then are you in the market for someone who has like a? No, no, no. I'm just saying at 80 bucks, it's a thing. It's a thing that you. It, it costs what four hardback books cost, right? right? So should should my question is should people, if you're looking to buy a Kindle, is it more valuable to have to pay more to have something you're going to be, be more coddle more, or should the is the ideal Kindle experience something that is low cost and not disposable, something you can be more carefree with? It depends on it depends on how you live, right? If you do all of your reading sitting in a leather chair in your library or your house, that, then they were exactly talking about this type of like from a business perspective, segmenting so they can milk the most out of the, I, their different type of users. I think they're just giving. I mean, I I think the way the way I'm looking at it is that I think that they're they have a higher resolution e-ink screen that's probably pretty expensive right now. And they're still making, a, I think need, a way to, for them to, make need to ramp up money. volume so that they can get the price on that down for next year. I think that's very, I, I think technically, yes, it's probably more expensive than the current one. But I think that when we reached two years ago, a point where you thought, and every, a lot of, I think a lot of Kindle readers thought they would never need to buy another Kindle again. They need one to give you reason, not only to want to buy it, crave it. And because it has a tech, it's technically better, but also they know, and it's it's perfectly reasonable from a capitalism and business standpoint to charge a lot for it. It's it's what Apple does. It's what a lot of people do. I don't. I, but I, I mean, okay. If you're a person who reads fifty books a year, is amortized. It still makes sense. I'm not saying it doesn't yeah, make you're sense. Not, like it's. I'm not, just saying that Kindle prices had gone down and efficiencies have gone to a point where it didn't need to be two hundred dollars. And it, but, and this is they're going to make a lot of money with this. I don't think they're going to sell that many of them, actually. I think that they'll sell a lot at the $79 price point and a moderate number at the $120 price point. And I bet they sell very few of these. And frankly, from a business standpoint, Amazon needs to make some money. They have a ton of revenue, not a whole lot of profits. Yeah. Um, I, I think... I'm I'm interested to see what this looks like. I pre-ordered one the moment it was announced. Um, obviously, I would have do it, done that for the site anyway, but I probably would have bought one anyway just to see what it looks like. Um, I mean, from a market saturation standpoint, at some point they get like they they make more money in their books. They sell they're in terms of the Kindle's business. Yeah, traditionally, they, they right they they sell books and the hardware is cheap. This goes against that. Well, that's uh, not the way the Kindle started. The Kindle started I, as a three hundred dollar uh, item. Where, where they moved where yeah. they moved to, and but but at a certain point when you reach market saturation with this cheap Kindle, you need to give people a reason to not only buy books but to buy new hardware, and and then that becomes a business model to, to make money on hardware. Was the $89 one the, the one for $79 kids? $79 one. Was that the one for kids? Oh, no, the, that's 100 bucks. There's another one that's for kids that has a, a big case, and they will replace it if it breaks. But that's a color tablet. That's an LCD screen, not a ink. Still pretty cool. Yeah. Right, yeah. So they also updated the fires. Um, well, hold on. The last thing about the Voyage is it has actually buttons on the side again instead of just the touch panel. So it, they say it has a redesigned page turn experience, which is interesting because the only complaint I have about the paper white is that I wish it had physical buttons on the side that you could click to turn the pages instead of touching the screen. Yeah. Um, but it's not a physical like it's not a it's a, a, it's a soft button. touch button, I think is what they call it or something like that. Page press sensors with haptics. So I guess when you touch it, it's going to bounce. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But the, I think the idea is that you can push, you can ha- rest your finger on it and push to turn without having to keep your finger off of the bezel the whole time. We'll see. But we'll, we're going to get it. It's shipping on the 21st of October. I, I'm super excited to see what they've done. Um, there are more Kindles, as Jeremy alluded. The kid, the kid one, kind of interesting. Yeah, just from an insurance standpoint. Yeah, so it's 100 bucks for a 6-inch version, which is a fantastic deal for... What is either a huge phone? Oh, sorry, it's 150 bucks for the six-inch version. It's like it's a little bit bigger than my phone, a little bit smaller than a traditional seven-inch Kindle. 
Um, but it has a big poofy rubber case on the outside. And like you said, uh, it, it has all the free time unlimited stuff, assuming you subscribe to that. And it has the controls to let you let you say, OK, this is how much time my kids spend using apps, so how much the time spend using watching a video, how much time they spend listening to music um, and lets you set, like separate educational stuff from games and, and like all sorts of granular controls. So you don't really have to pay attention to what your kids are doing, presumably. Um, and it's 150 bucks for the six inch one. I think the seven inch one is a little tiny bit more expensive. It's like 40 bucks more. I imagine the software features are part of every uh, fire. They are. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, this one, though, the interesting thing is that it, they say that if a kid destroys it, they'll just replace it for two years. I think. Good deal. Yeah, it seems like a good deal. Two year worry free coverage. Yes. Got to give them a, an OK Internet browsing and OS interface. I think you experience. just you just turn off the browser. If you have a kid. Yeah. Who's seven years old? Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you let your kids use the internet browsers well, unsupervised? Mm, yes, yes, pretty much. Okay. I, I, he's my son. My seven-year-old son saw me uh, buying shoes last night. He said, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know shoes were a hundred dollars. That's amazing." I said, "You know, these are you know shoes are expensive, but there are more expensive shoes than this." And so he went back and browsed the web for expensive shoes, and he came across some twelve hundred dollars shoes. You can still go higher. Yeah, but did, did, what's the takeaway from that? Like. I should not be asking for new shoes so often. Uh, like, I, wow, I didn't realize shoes were so expensive. He's he's just into, you know, money and material. <laughs> yeah, you, no, it's a phase that happens. Did you see my tweet, by the way, where he... He, he bought something? He, he broke into my PlayStation yeah. account with his um, using facial recognition because the PlayStation oh thought he was me. Wow. He does look kind of like you. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and then, wow. and then, he, then he bought Trine. Well, I mean, it's good taste. Yeah, right. It's like a real person, right? Um, <laughs> Holy moly! Yeah, I, I, we've been thinking about that in our house—the having to put passcodes on stuff. Because mm -hmm. my daughter is at the point where she just likes banging buttons on remotes and game controllers and turning on the Wii U. Mm -hmm. And That's, all of our stuff is, of course, set up to like one click. Just boom, buy it now. Right. <laughs> and so I'm going to come in, and there'll be a copy of like Kirby's Epic Epic Meal Time or whatever on my Wii U. That I'll be like, I didn't. I, want, buy that. I wonder if Sony, just like the Apple lawsuit, you know, with kids buying stuff on the in-app purchases. Um, like if facial recognition is the password and theirs isn't good enough to distinguish you from anyone else, they're gonna say it's Jeremy's fault. Yeah, for I know it's, it's, it's absolutely your fault to use facial recognition. Clearly, yeah. I, yeah. I wish I wish your son had not to mention having children been smart enough to yeah. <laughs> just print out a or pull up a photo of your face on like his iPad, yeah, and then put that in front of the Sony screen to recognize it. I know. So was that the intent? Like I want to buy trying, so I'm gonna see if I can. Try to get into. I think once he got in, dad his, system, his gears just started turning. Oh, I can buy this. Yep. You can never tell what they're thinking. This is like why without physical real money, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> like there's no there's there's no looking inside that black box and knowing. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's terrifying. It's actually usually just funny. The okay. <laughs> so at least at least when they're a year and a half, when they're seven, it's a whole different level of terror. I would assume. Yeah. Um, the, there's new Kindle Fire 7 and 6 inch versions. The 6 inch is 99 bucks, which is kind of interesting. It's a quad core. It's unclear exactly what CPUs in there. Um, and I assume at this point they know how to make these things perform because the last couple of generations of 7 inch have been quite good. Um, and they have a new OS, a new, new version of the OS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, unclear if that's going to be more, hopefully it's more in the Kindle tablet line and not in the Kindle Fire phone line. We'll see. Um, and then there's a 8.9 inch Fire HDX for 400, 380 dollars. Um, that I don't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that the I'm excited about the uh, that 200 dollar Kindle 
the ink one. And maybe the kids one. I thought about buying the kids one and seeing if my daughter could destroy it. Do you want to do you want to donate your children for experimental <laughs> testing and see if they can destroy a Kindle, Jeremy? Oh my gosh. They would they would love to do that. Okay. Yes. We we will if you will record some video of them destroying stuff, smashing it and using it for yeah. evil, then, can you then tell we can them, provide you with a Kindle. Can you tell them like explicitly this is something you should abuse? Please, you like throwing stuff around? Yeah, because I mean, obviously they're they're very careful with electronics, as careful as they can be, given that the fact mm-hmm. they live with me. But if they knew they could abuse this one, they would. That this would be like a holiday. Okay. Really? Yeah. Well, were they all gonna be snooty about it? Like, oh, what is this Amazon OS, <laughs> Silk OS, what browser? Are they brand where's, aware? Where's the where's the where's the iPad, Dad? Uh, he doesn't know Amazon makes tablets. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell him it's a black iPad and let him let her let her. They, they know Microsoft makes Minecraft, but they don't know Amazon makes <laughs> that's tablets. Right, that's funny. Um. Okay, so Kindle stuff. Norm buried the lead. Oculus Connect was this weekend. Too. Oh my god! You went down there. They were they were, it was an elite gathering of Oculus developers and a handful of press folks. Explain, like, give us the setup. What, is I think they normal- announced Oculus Connect, but the conference before the Facebook acquisition. Oh really? Was right. Was that was that right? I, 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 I think it was after. I don't think it, it matters. After. Um, but regardless, it was a very well-run operation. Yeah, uh, two-day conference, Friday and Saturday, in right in the heart of Hollywood, um, and a lot of the staffers there, like running the actual logistics, were like Facebook event staff, I think. Um, but anyway, it was like 250 or so uh, developers, maybe even more than that, uh, from all over the world. People I talked to traveled from France, Germany, um, developers everywhere, uh, and, and and some game developers who are like from more established, not just indie developers, but more established game developers as well. Um, and it got together to uh, listen to keynotes and attend sessions. Uh, a lot of the sessions were about um, specifically designing games for Gear VR, uh, which is coming out later this year. This is like the first actual Oculus branded product from Samsung. Um, and then, but some of the more is, th- is Gear VR coming out as the developer edition? They're the the what like they're they did have innovators edition. Innovators, innovators edition, edition is 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 the first release. Of that. Okay, so it's not. But there's no consumer version this year, or is there? Maybe no. I think there's there will I mean, be. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think it is a 2000 late 2014 product to coincide with the launch of the Note. Four. Note four. Okay. Um, hmm. The uh, uh, the other panels were about a lot of its higher level. You know, they had some making of the the Rift original Rift panels, which is now open source. So that was the first cool announcement oh, on Friday. The original DK one software and hardware. Schematics and everything, including optics, GitHub, including optics for wow. DK One, or is on GitHub. So any, they said, oh, any any Chinese knockoff manufacturer, go ahead, make as many DK Ones you want. There, the stuff they have now is so much better. They feel um, confident. They are very they're, confident. They're, yeah, yeah okay. well, I think that's a pretty bold move. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I mean, this is a lot of the. I think it addresses the, the Kickstarter backer. You back DK One, yeah, and now this opens the community in a way. It kind of addressed that whole fallout from Facebook. So a little bit, yeah, yeah. A, a little bit. I think it was it was a good it was a good balanced move. Um, yeah, the other a lot of the other high end panels, higher uh, the, uh, the theoretical panels. Um, 
were about you know filmmaking and VR, storytelling and VR, just lessons on UI design, um, that kind of stuff. I didn't get attend to uh, many of the, any of those panels at all. Actually. And they haven't been um, put online yet either. They have. I don't know if those. I think they were filmed, but I'm not sure when yeah. those are put online. And what was put online and what was streamed live were the uh, four big keynotes. Um, there was uh, the opening keynote by the CEO Brendan Arib, uh, followed by Michael Abrash doing a big talk, John Carmack doing a big talk, and then a panel about the future of VR in general with all the, the principles of Oculus. Um, but surprise to everyone, so originally it was a developer panel or developer conference announces developer conference just for people, developers meet each other in person Would and they talk re- about... show any new hardware? No one knew. No one knew. Um, can, and Can you jump back to the Carmack and the Abrash talks a little bit? Well, I, I will talk about okay. those specifically. Um, We'll go one at a time, but the at the keynote, the first keynote, the Brendan Reeb keynote, after talking about the the story of Oculus, which he shared and how they've got here so far, and it's a very like developer friendly, you know, Steve Ballmer esque, you know, developers, developers, developers. We are one hundred thousand plus strong kind of keynote. Uh, announced that new a new prototype. Uh, and this was not akin to the DK two announcement, which was at GDC six months um, ago. Just six to be clear. months ago, which is that's that's fine because this is not a developer kit. It's a quarter of the lifespan of the Oculus at this point. But I, of I don't. Oculus. They are iterating quickly. They, yes. They've made four. They've they've made a dozen prototypes since then. No, no I know. I mean, I mean, they've made four, but they made they've shown four public prototypes in two years, which is sure. Really, yeah, really sure. Fast. If the point is that the pace of, excel, yes. of, of growth yeah. and improvement is fast, then yes. And I'm sure. D, and remember, DK two. While this is a six month old technical product, everything we saw in DK two, we saw at CES with like Crystal, Crystal Cove. Cove. So this is technically a nine month old. What they were ready to reveal. Fair enough. So. Right, so it's it's like, subtle distinctions. Yeah, I mean the fact that they're iterating is no surprise, and I think I, don't, I think they've been very frank about that. It's what they were E three. They showed all the prototypes they had so far leading up to the Rift, uh, the DK one. I think it's great. Um, I, I think yeah, I'm, and, I'm super and, jazzed by it because I feel like they're they're really motivated yes. and focused. And the well, fact that we've we have we've seen Crescent Bay, which is what the new prototype is called now, means that they're probably you know several prototypes past that in house with the tinkering stage right. on both the mobile and desktop side. So this is just what they're ready to show and what they were able to make, you know, a dozen of to have by, demos. By hand, it's, right? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Um, it's interesting that they do that. They're doing this all in public because like typically if they were selling this already to consumers and people could buy it, the common wisdom is that you can't show this kind of this kind of incremental advancement during development because people will hold off on buying. But since there's nothing out there to buy, it's not yeah. a problem. Do you like one of the things I noticed on your video, the comments it's like the 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 tide has kind of turned at least on YouTube, which is not necessarily the best place to judge the general feeling of humanity. But from oh my god, I can't wait for this to Jesus Christ, are they ever going to actually sell us something? I, I don't think do that's you, indicative think- of the, the the general public, especially the enthusiast. I don't think one the mainstream public at all even is aware of like the, the well, prototype stage. Uh, Gear VR will probably be the most forward facing, uh, public facing product VR product we've seen uh, in a long time, and that won't be a wide release. That will be like in some stores when people buy Note Fours as an upsell. It's, it seems like the kind of thing you might try um, at Best Buy or at the cell phone sure. store, and then um, be like, okay, well that was cool. And but and I think in the actual VR community, the messaging since the Kickstarter has been clear that if you want this thing to happen, if you want VR to happen and in, in a meaningful way, uh, I think developers are uh, are ready to be patient and, and consumers like Jeremy are ready to be patient for them to get it right, but can be still be excited about the transparency and about the advancements. And I think that's, 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 a, I mean, if you, if you, 
split that from like the smartphone model and the Apple model, uh, it's it's extremely refreshing to be able to like discuss all these because it's a new frontier. Yeah, whatever that that consumer version ends up being, it will support the base features of the DK2. And so right now you can buy the DK2, and that you can develop games that will work great on whatever that consumer version is, and that's what's important. And that's what right, I asked Nate specifically, right? You're making prototypes, but at which point is there something that developers can work with that then when the product they make, they won't be sh- shorted on right. whatever some feature. Um, now that, again, so to describe the, the Crescent Bay, because I don't know if some people, podcast listeners don't know about it. Um, in this prototype specifically, it's a huge milestone for them. And I, from talking to the guys, they weren't even sure that they were going to have this ready for this conference until a short time out. Like you said, um, hand-built prototypes, right? I don't think they were hand... All hand I mean, of course, everything is hand-built, but they had the proper labels. It was very much like a um, like a, like a a Crystal Cove yeah. design okay. uh, in, in, the, in terms of the polish. Um, they said that this is the, the prototype that matches the Valve Room demo of achieving sustained presence for a majority of users, which no other uh, none other prototypes before or products before had, had done. The, the stuff that we've had that gave presence was in like fleeting glimpses, kind of like when you were no, sitting I, I would the, say not even on the well, the couch demo, when you look down and move your legs and expect the legs to move that that to me was a was a real a, moment. A very like a the Morpheus stuff where you're where standing in the dive bell and you you bend your legs and you expect to see your legs bend like it's it but it, but it fails immediately and it breaks as a result. Yeah, maybe like yeah, not not sustained at all. Maybe fleeting moments might be the proper way to describe that. But the the target for this was sustained presence, and I, what I thought was really interesting was in that keynote, they. I, the idea of presidents is ne- as nebulous because it's like this tech. It's now become this technical term yeah. that Abrash first, remember Abrash at Valve first, like defined, and when VR researchers have, and everyone has, I'm sure all of you, like there are a ton of VR labs all around the world, you know, at Stanford, at Caltech, and everyone has their own definitions of what's sufficient for presence. But at this conference, this is the first time that we heard from Oculus their baseline requirements for, as a as a consumer product because they're a business for what presence is, and so. When we're talking about the all the hardware, it needs to, for example, have positional tracking with sub-millimeter accuracy. That means that when you do the tap test, right, when they, you tap the headset, you're going to notice that that every, every micro-movement of your head is going to be reflected in-game. You're going to need the latency of 12, so less than 20 milliseconds of latency from motions of photons from your head moving to what your eye sees. Um, and you're going to need... Uh, um, you're gonna need uh, persistence, uh, low persistence in terms of the visuals at a higher than 90 hertz refresh rates. Like these are very specific technical definitions, like field of view for the optics, at least 90 degrees field of view with calibrated optics. So there's there's no inappropriate distortion. Like very specific, almost specs that that then as you you can infer. So 20 milliseconds means 83 hertz or more, right? 20, uh, those are two different things. The, mil- the milliseconds of head tracking and the uh, refresh rate for response time are, are two separate things. Uh, 20 milliseconds is the time it takes from your head to move to what your, your what your eye sees in terms of the compute, the, the tracking. Doesn't that mean the frame rate has to be going at least that yes, fast? Yes, yes, that is the frame rate, but the persistence, uh, the low persistence is the flickering of the screen so that when your eyes and your head moves, you don't see the blurring, the smearing of the pixels. And that's more reflective of the Well, that's the, the panel turning the on, panel and off, on right? and off. And yeah. so that's low persistence versus um, head tracking uh, latency. Um, so n- they said they achieve all these things, which I don't think any of us thought that they would at least this soon 
Because that Valve uh, high bar has been established as something that we won't get to for a while. Right. And and it was one of the things that um, Brendan Arib had talked about in past interviews, like, you know, going to the Valve room. I think the... Can, can you the, guys explain the Valve room yeah, for people yeah, who don't know yeah, what it yeah. is? So um, I think we're... The Wired story that Peter Rubin wrote about um, in his big cover story about Oculus uh, talked about this prominently. How Brendan Reeb, he is he was notorious for like not getting like feeling presence of VR, he would feel nauseous. Right. And it wasn't until he went to Valve Software's offices, and these are the makers of Half Life, um, and where Michael Airbrush had been working on their own VR setup, where they their prototype used uh, QR markers all around a room. It was a room where your 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 headset was tethered with circuit boards in the front, were tethered to a PC, and cameras in front of the headset tracked visual markers all around the room. And that gave you the high degree of accuracy for tracking, enough so, and of, of course, combined with whatever visual or display system they were using, to give you that sense that you were in a virtual space. And the demo that was created for the Valve Room that they talk about is the idea of standing on a ledge, like atop of the Eiffel Tower or something, and feeling a vertigo yeah. and um, feeling a space. And and that, that having seen that, they knew that virtual reality was possible on a consumer product was possible. And it's worth pointing out that Valve spared no expense in making that, yes. that their own. In, in right, it, it wasn't. It was not intended to be a commercial product. It, they wanted to see what the future could bring. Yes. And then once they figured out how to create presence, then they would try to reduce it down to a consumer device. But the, with their device was just this massive, huge panels. It was uh, wires all over the place. Yeah. And it wasn't something that you imagined could be condensed this year. Right. And so the challenge for Oculus was one, one half after seeing that, they had faith in the... The platform, like the, the, and the concept of the hacking concept. your brain to think that yes. it's someplace that it's yeah. not. In, in, in both the psychology, and that was an interesting quote I thought from you, Reeb, which was that we've gone in VR, we've gone from trying to convince ourselves that we are in this space to trying to convince ourselves that we're not. Explain your brain convince when you're wearing the headset. Yeah. If if sustained presence works, then you have to convince your brain that you're actually not in whatever space you're, you're seeing. You have to remind your brain. You remind your brain that you're actually oh, in, that small, it's in cool. a small room. That, like you're not standing on, yeah, a, that, on a cliff. Right. Don't, don't fart. Yeah. <laughs> right. There right. might be people around you. Right. Um, like that. That's, that's <laughs> was, what, was the farting the example they gave? No. No. That's, okay. That was just my. Okay. My, I was gonna say that. Um, enjoy your soylent norm. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so. But the challenge is to, again, make this a consumer product, something that doesn't require a room full of QR codes, something that's going to be affordable. And that's a technical challenge that Oculus, I think, has, for the most part, achieved. Um, so, so the, the Crescent Bay okay, demo. So explain the demo, yeah. Um, the hardware is lighter, first of all. They've redesigned. Uh, they're ever moving closer to a better ergonomics. Did you feel like it was uh, light enough to be a consumer device? No. Okay. Could you wear it for as long as you wanted to wear it? Yes. Okay. I'm not put think, off by the DK2. I don't think that's too heavy. So the fact that they made it lighter is exciting to do. So it is, it is not only slightly lighter, but because the back has a, uh, a clasp, yeah. um, there's a... It's a different strap it's entirely, It's a different strap right? entirely. There's a plastic clasp on the back with IR lights because it's 360 degrees of positional tracking now. Um, it, the weight distribution is better than the Got DK2. It. Okay. Um, it feels less front heavy than the DK2. Yep. Uh, and also another reason for that is because the cord as opposed to DK2 where the cord kind of dangles from yep. the front and drags you because you have the resistance like of, like, of a mouse cord. Imagine, you know how some PC gamers play with the mouse cord dangling from like a, like like a, a spring st thing. A stand. Yeah. So it doesn't, there's no zero resistance from that. With the Crescent Bay demo, the mouse, the 
visual cord and the power cord was held up by a handler over their shoulder. Yeah. And so that was getting less in the way. So it felt less cumbersome from the ergonomic standpoint. And that was just ergonomics. Um, they added audio, positional audio, which is, I think, a big deal. And they talk about that being one of the components required for virtual reality presence. So it's integrated audio where they have optional earbuds, but they've also licensed this technology that allows them to do this spatial positioning of audio. Yeah, and it's from the University of Maryland, which actually I think is Brendan Reeb and another Oculus founder's uh, alma mater. It's one of the, I maybe Some speculating, of one, one yeah. of the reasons that he donated $31 million. Yeah, it's good speculation. To, uh, to uh, to that university, um, but the, they had uh, researchers from the university who actually have their own separate company there doing positional audio stuff. So did all the demos and have the audio in it? Yes, all the demos had. And audio. they were using their own headphone design, right? They were using their own headphone design, which Palmer was kind of irked about because I think internet speculation and this, you go back to YouTube comments about this. Uh, you know, look at the pictures and it looked like cheap Sony earbuds from that you get bundled with the Walkman twenty years yeah, ago. Yeah. Uh, but they said they actually put some real effort, and of course, this is not indicative of the consumer design, right. but they put real effort into the drivers and it was a good sounding experience. Unfortunately for them, the place where they demoed all of these was a noisy ballroom where everyone was kind of yeah. like, they, so you had they set up, they set up like the fake walls, you know, like the, the, the meeting the, room walls the that walls, have no yeah. ceilings. Not exactly soundproof. Not soundproof. There were no ceilings, any of these. Yeah. So all the spillover no noise <laughs> um, from all the... Right. Uh, if you look at any of the photos they took, right, you can see like, yeah. the ceilings, like the ballroom did, ceiling. Did you get the 3D sense, though, of the audio? Yeah, so you can get a 3D sense. It's just, Are unfortunately, you, it wasn't a great I understand. setup where you can hear like whether it was a good quality speaker or not. Right. The better demo of the, the positional audio was outside in the lobby of Oculus Connect. They had a demo set up from the researchers of University of Maryland where uh, you put on not the actual, you just put on a uh, earphones. You didn't even put on goggles. You put on earphones, you close your eyes, and they oh. had a... Uh, a, like like a, a cube, a, a right? cube, yeah. and they move the cube around you. And because there was a tracker <laughs> that they put on top of the band of the headphones, yeah. you would be able to hear exactly in three D space. In three D space, that's nuts. How far away from you it was, where direction? Like, I, I, I there's a bit of coverage I included in an interview, and he, as the guy was moving the sound away from me, I was closing my eyes and like pointing what and, and like exactly pinpointing. Where that cube so was. Cool. That's cool. This is um, a demo from like the Monster Sound Arial stuff in 1997. Sure, right. But but they did it with you know you move the cube in software yeah. and not a physical right. cube. That's awesome. Um and and I asked them like how is this different from like Ben Oral uh, recording? Uh -huh. Like you can go to YouTube right now and if you search. I don't know if that's the right pronouncer. Ben, ben, ben Oral is how you say uh, it. Yeah. B i n a u r a l. Yeah. Um that's uh you can. Recording uh, studios can do this trick where uh, you can put two microphones where the ears would be and record sounds, stereo sound from uh, from like a, a scripted scene. It's, it's a little weirder and, than that. You, and then you, when you put headphones on, it actually you hear the three D sound, the visual sound as a record. So it's weirder than that. You actually put the microphones inside casts of someone's ear, sure. it's, it's, and yeah, the it's, microphones are directional inside the ear holes, yeah. and then. But but generating that on the fly uses something called um, HRTFs or something like that that so, you use to gen to to place the sound using by calculating the the lag between the left ear and the right ear for the placement of the sound and then yeah. sending the the correct I, ear. I the would right expect sound. that to work on a single plane, but it sounds like what you experienced, you could tell where it was well, in but three dimensions. If you think about it, you have two ears, right? Uh, yes. So. So you you can hear when an airplane's flying over, and it doesn't know, sound like the airplane is in front of but you. But I don't know how sound works in my ear. It bounces all over the place. My drum is three-dimensional. I don't know. So the difference between this and that type of recording is that your positional movement 
is the trick. Like binaural only works if your head is still. Yeah. It doesn't work dynamically if your head is in the yeah, intention is, is for your head to move around. And in the 3D game, your head's never in a still place. Yeah. The sound's going to, uh, the 3D sound's going to be different from one position as, you know, two steps forward in the game. And so their software and what they've licensed is the, these algorithms to change the sound, a mono sound, so that in a game engine like Unity, you don't need to record binaural sound. Yeah. All you got to do is like create your high definition recording and place it in a virtual space and it will calculate. You attach it to it. an object that moves. And that, that's what game right? developers do already. Yeah. But it's just not placed on, on playback. Yes. You know, so in, this, in the same way. It yeah. used to be like 3D sound was a thing that came and went. Right. When DirectX 7 or DirectX 8 came out and they pulled the APIs for 3D sound generation, all that stuff evaporated. And, oh, really? And develop, yeah. Like direct sound 3D was a thing that was in DirectX 5, I think. Huh. Um, and and it I, I think that positional Arial sound and creative cards. Yeah. And that and, and yes. And I think software is better now. Computers are faster. Um, they said that this isn't going to be hardware limited. So you don't need to use their headphones to right. get the positional sound. The SDK is going to have support for that, which is good. Um, but the fact that they're paying attention to sound, I think we all expected it. The fact that they're, they confirmed they'll have an integrated well, it's vital. solution. It's vital to um, the experience. I yeah. think is, is a good thing. It's yeah. super cool. Um, but of course, I think what a lot of people, the visuals, the, the visual aspect of virtual reality is the most important thing. The thing that, that makes or breaks it most. Um, it looked like a higher resolution screen. Could you see? I could could not, you see? Well, screen what door? was confirmed? It is ninety hertz. It is confirmed. It is ninety hertz. Yeah, running and, and it's a stable ninety hertz running VSync, uh, which means you need graphics. That means like when game designers are designing games, like no one designed games for ninety fps minimum. Most like, people, uh, do most people do 30. sixty or thirty. Sixty if you're doing yes, multiplayer. Yes. and no one does that as like a, a flat minimum. Right. That's crazy. Yes, and, and when you're rendering stereo. Yes. That's like a lot of <laughs> GPU. So it's two, basically it's running two viewports at 60 Hertz at whatever half of whatever resolution they have. So I don't think any of the game demos were actually being rendered at the native resolution of the panel. They said um, it was running on Maxwell, right? And yeah, so we'll talk about the NVIDIA GPUs. Yeah. That's another big announcement. So um, I think you, it was a high screen door. So yeah, so I, I looked specifically uh, during the demos for one, did it look like a terrible OLED Pentel configuration. And I say terrible as in like, I think OLED, at least in DK2, yeah. while it's brighter and the, the, like the, 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 the black areas are great. The persistence stuff is great. The yeah. stuff is great. I think that the L, uh, an LCD, like looking at an iPhone screen's LCD, like if you put the, the, um, the uh, yeah. six plus next to a Note 3, right? The six plus is going to look better because yeah. that LCD is just fantastic. I love the e Even in Carmack's talk, Carmack said you want LCD technology in terms of the even distribution of the yeah. RGB pixels, right? But you just can't get low persistence that way. You can't because some because yeah because of the the way the colors work, like the physical limitation, the way our blues and greens and reds work. I mean, on the other in hand, physics. the pentile layout. I think the the screen door that comes from the pentile layout, this kind of hexagonal stuff, is much less noticeable than the square screen door right. on an LCD. Right, right. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's less distracting. So I notice no no hexagonal. Pentile layout. Were you wearing all. your glasses or were you, you I was, going? No I was glasses? no glasses, but I was using my good eye where I see perfectly. Okay. And I could not where I could like I could normally see these these straight li yep. the lines. No 
arrangement at all. And mm. I think that's because of the optics they use. They said the optics were a big difference. Big difference. So asymmetrical optics, it's a wider field of view. Explain for, what asymmetrical optics uh, So instead of being a, a circle, it's yeah. like it's a curved screen. It's like maybe the shape of your eye. Oh, you something. mean it's like an oval gl- piece of the glass? The glass is yeah. different shape? Oh, the no kidding. Is, I think the, oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, there's a photo I can bring up because they didn't like us t- let us take any photos of the hardware, huh. uh, especially speak? up close. Okay. But I'll, I'll show you a photo that was shared in the, the press folder. Um, some people are speculating that it's kind of like a Fresnel lens, that the actual optics, it's not it's not clear it's that like there are multiple micro lines in the optics to kind of diffuse the the uh, the, screen door the, the, uh, the pixel fill. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, interesting. To increase the pixel fill. And I didn't notice any type of cross-grid pixel uh, effect. When you shifted it side, did you try shifting it side to side mm-hmm. in your head? Did any mm-hmm. shimmering or anything happen? Yes. So there was light shimmering, kind of where you would think of like between the pixel lines. But what it looked like and what someone on, on Reddit described it as, I think accurately, were, is a linen effect. Yeah. Where you're looking at really high, fine vertical lines. Um like really high thread count lines. But when I tilted my head, it but wasn't just vertical. It kind of moved, the linen effect also moved diagonally, which says to me that it's like make like a moiré um, like effect almost. I think it's, it's, a, a, it's a, it was an artifact of the lens, not of the panel. Mm. Weird. Um, Did the lenses look smooth on the side that was close to your eyeball? Like the where they side. rounded, curved, eye, like when you put your eye, the, the place that you put your eye up to. Yes. Did it look... Did it look like a pair of eyeglasses, or did it look like something different? I, I can't. Let me let me pull up that picture. Oh, okay. you mean like a Fresnel lens? Yeah, yeah. Fresnel lens will have a really specific look. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, it didn't look like it didn't, it didn't look like a it cut didn't glass. Look textured. No. 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 Okay. It, it looks smooth. Yeah. Okay. The, the surface texture of it looks smooth. I was excited to hear that the result of whatever optics they're using is a higher FOV because they've gone down twice since the DK one. DK two is lower. The uh, the Gear VR is lower, down to 90, and now it sounds like they're going a little bit higher than the DK2. I'm looking at the picture now, um, and I don't think it's actually, it's not, it still looks like a circular lens. Yeah. It still looks like a circular lens, but that's a big lens they have there. Well, the, the DK2 lenses are a lot bigger than the DK1 lenses, too. Right, so uh, I'll share a picture of this online. Um, but regardless... The optics were, I think, the optics contributed to a, a big so, f- Something factor. had changed and you couldn't yeah. see screen doors. But yeah, it was still, Palmer said it was still OLED. Confirmed. Yeah. This is still an OLED screen, uh, but it just didn't look distinctly like That's cool. the Pentile OLED, which I think is a great thing. Yeah. Um, Did they say, I assume this is a Samsung manufactured screen, right? Uh, that's That's got to be the assumption. They, yeah. they wouldn't say. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they wouldn't the, say, but since you know, the, the partnership. Note, the Note partnership and the, since yeah. the screen in the, in the DK2 is a Note like literally a note screen. Yep. I assume that everything that they're using is going to be so Samsung screens. I don't want to run through all the demos I saw. Um, that's in the video. You can, you can, I describe, I walk through every single demos. Uh, the one demo I would want to say is the, the one, the Epic design, the showdown demo, mm-hmm. um, which was a, like uh, a bullet time street scene. Uh, you don't, you, there were no controls for this demo. Like for any of the demos, I wasn't holding a gamepad or anything. It was all pre-scripted. I could look around. So you're just in a scene that you could look around. around. It. Oh, really? Um, How were they tracking the foot movement? By by. So yeah, so tra- that's, so that's a big deal. Yes, it's always been a seated demo. Yeah, and I want to talk about last, but like uh, the epic demo, um, I was just moving like along a, a roller coaster kind of ride thing, walking down the street. Yeah, and I was walking and ducking behind people in cars, and the persistent uh, the the. A presence in that felt really good. Hmm. Um, so standing, this is the first o- Oculus demo that they've shown. Because other people have done o- standing Oculus demos, um, like with the the 
the, the, the treadmill people uh, the Omni treadmill and the, the people doing it at home. But this is the first one they showed. And the uh, control VR, Mor- Morpheus the control stuff. VR, yeah, and the Morpheus stuff. But this is the first one that not only was it standing, but you actually walked around. It wasn't just like bending your knees, and they put you on top of like a three foot by three foot foam pad. And they had a big camera, so the camera. Oh, that's smart. You. So if you go off the pad, you can sense that. You know, because it was like raised above the ground, and the camera was mounted on the wall above you. Uh, looks like a more like a like, it, it, like a deeper it's like camera, a security like camera, a security like camera. It looked like a really tiny security camera as opposed to like a Logitech webcam. Um, that's the other thing is it has a the new camera has a wider FOV. Wider FOV is to see the entire room basically. And it's still just an IR camera, though. It's not like doing depth sensing on the camera yeah, side. Yeah, because it still has the IR LEDs all over okay. Yes. Um, and I was able to walk around in a lot of those demos, like walk around in a small circle uh, and duck and crouch. And I, I got to say, crouching and looking up in yeah. virtual reality, that gave me the biggest sense of presence. How did they manage hmm. the cable? Um, was there somebody just there holding yeah. it so up? So the handler you? not only held it, like the cord went from the computer, it's around the back of the handler over their shoulder and to your head, and so they could give you more slack, Okay. or they could move it up above you. It's in the video. I assume um, that you had no body in this demo. You were just a disembodied camera. That was the, the worst part of it. I think that uh, half the demos like were first-person video demos where you were like FPS, like the showdown demo, you're surrounded by people, the environment was scaled to your body. You know, you were in a room, you were in a submarine, you were in a hallway with a T-Rex, but the, none, or you were on top of like this Arkham City style cityscape, but you didn't see your feet or your body, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. And definitely not your hands, because that wasn't being tracked. Yeah. So not being able to see your body and not being calibrated to your height, uh, that took away from a sense of presence. Huh. So it wasn't calibrated to your height. Like you, you didn't yeah. feel like you were however tall you five. Yeah. So I never got that sense nine. of vertigo, but looking over that ledge. Uh, but the demos where you were in a disembodied state, where you were um, just the god, like Lucky's Tale, or you were looking, diving into like a scene in a, into like a small diorama, or you had a virtual reality like city, a, a HUD, or flying through this portal thing. Those felt the most real to me Interesting. because you didn't need to re- recognize other parts of your body. You were just your eyes and your vision flying through this, moving through this space. Hmm. Um, and that, I think, I think that when you think about presence, it's less so about recreating your body, putting your body in a different space and more so about the fact that there is a sense of space inside the headset a virtual space mm-hmm. where it doesn't look like you're looking at a flat screen where it looks like you're looking at real you know, rendered objects that have a, a relationship to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it feels like a real place rather than a, 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 a real virtual place. place, not a real, real place. Well, but, but it, like, I, I mean, don't think anyone would, I, I don't, and I don't think anyone could, even even in the, uh, the video panoramic stuff would go in there and believe that they are somewhere. I believe that they, it's, it's, you can't equate it with the experience you have in the real world. You but I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? That is, is, to, and, is for them to mimic the real world. You, but, and, but Abrash in his talk said that's not going to happen in our lifetimes at all. Just because of, of because of the limits rendering of rendering of, 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 of display. Well, you, you talked need, about the matrix tapping in, like that technology yeah. is beyond our life. You mean and, you plugging into the back of and your also brain, yeah, for for spike. real? Uh, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> really? I mean, it, it only hurts for a moment. <laughs> I think you got to be born with it. We're all tanks yeah. They got imprinted a baby. We're all tanks and dozers. Yeah, we're, none of us are neos. They're gonna write us out of the second movie anyway. <laughs> yeah, contract is being. Yeah, we're um. Let's be real. We're really the annoying guy from the sequels. Um, I really want to hear about Gear VR because... Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, they, so, they made a big deal about that being a non-tethered experience, which mm-hmm. comes with some benefits. Yeah. So the standing thing, to go back to oh, one, one last thing. Go. Palmer said... Oculus Rift, very sit down. He said it in a very forceful uh, lockdown way. Uh, I think that was intentional. Uh, I would not be surprised if for consumer version, they are experimenting with the idea of, of I don't think anything's been confirmed yet. But I, don't, I, I got a very legal sense from him, which was b- by law, we are stating you that should, the yeah. Oculus Rift is a sit down experience. No one should stand up with this thing on. I mean, so just to if, be you clear, think, if you do, you do so at your own they, peril. They like when people have done installations and stuff like that, where you like at a like at the Game of Thrones exhibit where people were standing up in the elevators like going up the ice wall. Oculus they wouldn't. Ar- Oculus did not partner with them, and the implication was it was because they wanted them to stand in the elevator. So, is like, the feeling then that they can it will never officially release a and market it as a stand up experience? I think it has to that, be wireless. You and, would. And that only the only and even if it's wireless, not only uh, that, it's the safety. Yeah, the safety of like bumping into things yeah. and falling off. Um, so Look, that, there's, the, there's got to be a Wiimote strap equivalent for wearing goggles <laughs> that they in your living that. room. Right. Yeah. Like, guys, you got to put the strap on. If you don't put the strap on, it's on you when you smash your TV. So maybe it's like one of those underground things where, you know, they create the best experience and they know technically it can work as a stand-up thing, but you d- you buy your own software, your own risk, or, if everyone yeah. knows you can do it. Or yeah. maybe it's a maybe it's a, in a more controlled environment. So they make it for, maybe we see a return of arcades and Dave and Buster's has an Oculus station and you go into your, into the your ball, and you put, sign the, the waiver. put the helmet on and yeah. Um, but that goes back to the DK2 being everything you need for a developer to develop what their consumer release can do, which is the, you know, the designed sit down experience. So are they saying that that's still the case? I think they've, yeah. they've said that that's the case okay. with the DK2 when that first came out in the forums. And, and did they say anything? Th- still no word on consumer, obviously. Still no word on consumer. I, Presumably I think it's, it's not this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah no way. No kidding. Year. No. Probably end of next year at the earliest. That, that's my guess. Um, Could you imagine? I mean, there's going to be more prototypes before then. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. Two only, or three more gets better. Than right. they go. It only, be, it only be gets better. Yeah. So the, the the Crescent Bay prototypes they made will be for in-house testing and for in-house experiment. Are they going to... But there's not going to be another development kit, at least for the foreseeable future. I, they said no plans it. to make any new development kit. Okay. And I think they'd be smart to do that. Did they, one of the things that they talked about when DK2 was just shipping was that they found some hardware problems in DK2 that they realized when it was too late to change and that they were going to fix those going forward did they talk about what that stuff was at yeah. all or no okay yeah. um i think i think yeah, dk2 and, and going back to a dk2 at oculus connect because that's what all the demos yeah all right. the people, i couldn't do it that's what you said about dk1 when you, i couldn't when you do did it crystal cove I couldn't go back to DK. I went home. I don't want wow. to put this. I couldn't do DK two after doing Crescent Base. So that's what the leap is. Even after ten minutes in that demo, yeah. like, oh god, the resolution at 1080p is so bad. Or these lenses are are not sufficient. Like, wow. I, I just want Crescent Bay. Um, yeah. In terms of the standing up thing, I think that I don't think VR needs a treadmill. I don't think VR needs to be able to walk around. What's it need? I think that the the just the ability to bend your knees down and have a more free I, a, a body hands. movement, yeah. hands are going to be important. I think weight shifting is important, but you don't need to move twenty feet to shift your weight to get that feeling of your body. But I mean, being if, able you're to tra- move. if they're tracking your head, and presumably you could put a couple of lights on your shoulders or something and kind of get that. Uh, but like the, that, that skeleton the, stuff. the physical difference between sitting down and standing up, just like shuffling, crouching, ducking, that physically and mentally enabled more of a sense of presence than anything I think you could do with sitting. So did you get to play any like games that are currently in development while you were there? I know they had demo stations set up using, I presume DK2. 
Yes. All of them were sit-down experiences. Okay. So any highlights you want to share? Well, the, so no, people the, well let's, let's talk about Gear VR. Okay. Please. And then the keynotes. Because Gear VR we're, features we're getting... the, the only Oculus software that they've officially released like for yeah. consumers. Yeah. So I want to hear yeah. what this is like. Yeah. So Gear VR uses a Note 4 screen, 60 hertz. I, think, I thought that the 60 hertz uh, was... Good. Same as DK1, right? Same as DK1. I thought that it was... I, I think it'll be bad for you, Jeremy, because you're more susceptible to the persistent stuff. Well, so and, are and you. the judder. Uh, but I think that... I thought that the... Uh, it, it was not as... It was a better experience than DK1. Okay. Did you um, get nauseous? Did not get nauseous okay. at all. Now that, that, was, that was 20 minutes in there. Okay. Um... The demos that they show. Yeah, yeah. So the the interface is a big thing because this is an interface that will trickle up to desktop. Oculus right? Home. Oculus Home, which is their, the way that they browse. I think that is going to be insufficient. I think that the head look to point at menu items. How's it work? Uh, so uh, it uses a combination of a touchscreen on the side of Gear VR where you swipe left and right. Oh, weird. To go do like tiles almost. Um, like Windows Live tile, like yeah. Windows Live Alt Tab, mm-hmm. um, and then you tap to activate. But you use Head Look to select the demo you want. Okay, uh, through a very like Metro style UI, yeah. you, know, you know, skewed and, and rendered. Um, a lot of people have tried the thing where you just stare at something for three seconds and that activates. I don't, it. I don't like any of that stuff. Yeah, I think that it needs to be like finger pointing or needs to be a gamepad okay. pointing that. Like I think the, that, it's the connect thing where you push in and all that. That none of right, that works well. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I think head looking to activate something is is, is that's gonna be straining on your neck. Mm-hmm. Um, eye tracking would be like the most ideal thing. Uh, but so is, is, does home have to improve from an interface standpoint? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I think the UX needs to be, uh, okay. but th- that's not going to change. I mean, what they have right now is what's going to come out with home. Uh, it's not going to be like the biggest hurdle, but I just think that they, like Nate said, they have not cracked the code for interface. the interface. Yeah. Um, demo wise, Oculus cinema. Awesome. What is it? Thing. Is that a movie player? A movie player. So much better than any in DK two in no, no, no. in, a, in a, Gear, uh, VR. Gear VR. Oh, in Gear VR. Um, so much better than any of the um, like Sony T- HMZ. You know any of those HMDs where like you watch a movie and in stereo 1080p. Right. It's the sheer fact that you can tilt your head and move your head freely and have the screen almost on a gyro, staying stable. Huh. Right. Where you can look around. Are you in a theater? You're in a theater. So they had yeah. three theaters. Have you played with any of the downloadable ones by any chance? I think it's the same make. I think they hired that guy. Okay. Uh, but there, th- there were three theaters. One was like a, a big cineplex. One was a, ho- like a nice home theater. And one was on the, watching a movie on the moon. I thought the moon <laughs> one was like the worst one because I kept trying to look behind me. Right. Since the um, moon. And well, you're on the moon and behind you is earth. Right. But like, I, I, yeah, and look around the moon. Like that was, that was just distracting. Uh, the home one was okay. But the big theater one, mm-hmm. awesome. Hmm. Uh, because I was able to lie back, and the trick with that because has no positional tracking. Oh, right? so you can lie back. You can lie back, and you don't need to move your head forward. So no, no positional tracking. I think would be the biggest weakest link on Gear VR. But for cinema, Oculus Cinema, you don't need positional That's tracking. Right. You're leaning back. It's just head rotation, mm-hmm. right? They approximate where your eyes are relative to the, the center axis for your where your head's turning. But and even with though most of the rendered graphics were lower resolution and scaled up than 1080p because you can't render everything at 2560 by 108 or 1440 on on a panel on mobile and have a good battery life on that and watch you know a two hour movie on that wireless. Um, what John Carmack talked about in terms of distribution of resources is rendering all your game assets and all your virtual assets at low resolution, scale that up, and I think it looked okay. But the movie. 
itself actually max maximum maximize, maximizing giving you the 1k by 1k per eye yeah. on the pixels and that movie i watched like a transformers trailer like the resolution looked great on that movie like, totally watchable Totally and watchable, like a really good experience, or totally watchable, like I would not YouTube replace, in 2004, 2005. Would, like a great experience, as in I would not replace, I would not use it over watching like a real TV or going to a real theater. Okay. But I would watch a full movie this way. Like if you were no on an problem. airplane or something? Oh, oh, easily if I was on okay. an airplane. Yeah, pro- way better than holding a phone up. Was it 3D? Or it, it, it was 3D. It's, it's a 3D scene with a movie projected on a 2D screen inside the 3D screen, right? Yes. <laughs> so it's a 2D movie, though, no, not a, a 3D movie. You can watch movie. a 3D movie. But you can watch a 3D movie. That and was a 3D movie. Is there, a, and I assume Samsung is going to be selling 3D movies in their gear store. Yeah, I'm sure Oculus will sell them. Yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting. And But the, it was an empty theater. And it felt like an empty theater. It yeah. felt like, and it's the, I mean, the, the big difference is the head tracking, which in terms of watching a movie, you never think of that being an important thing. Like we had, we've had, I'd say, you know, five years of people selling like Sony selling a thousand dollar headsets yeah. where it's like, you can lie at home on the couch and watch a movie. Yeah. But the reason that doesn't work and the reason that experience is bad isn't just because of the resolution and the, the and the, and the panel quality. It's because when you move your head, you don't want the movie to move. Well, the but the the Oculus movie theater thing is not a new concept. Like that's existed in the development. Like there are this is four a, different things right, right now. But because this is at the fourteen forty p resolution, right, right, obviously. and because of the polished demo experience, that was the big game changer in Gear VR. The, and I think that would be a killer app. One thing VR. about what you just mentioned, where you don't want to tilt your head, is that that's a it's a perfect analog because that that happens in three D movies too. If you go to a movie theater and tilt your head, yes, the, it gets all messed you up. You can't, you can't because so, of the polarization of the screen. Right, exactly. So people are almost already used to that in a three yeah. D movie theater, right? But here you can because it's just rendering it. Is there multiplayer? You know, there are multiplayer oh, without movie viewing yeah. things that will sync up the same movie so that we could all go jack into so VR. So I could yeah. and totally imagine. Yeah. Because I was looking to my left seat and my yeah. right seat, and I was like, I could imagine an avatar of a person right Why there. Not? And like, you could be holding hands and, with the person and, next to you, and it could and, be somebody completely and nodding, different. And nodding, you know, and like, oh, that was a cool scene kind of thing. <laughs> High five, bro. Right? Um, and it didn't matter. That the screen, the, the Transformers trailer I was watching, we didn't fill up the entire screen. That there was some, you know, virtual bezel around it. It filled up enough that I was getting yeah. getting a good experience the watching. View, your field of view was filled by enough screen that yeah, you were cool. That I was watching it, and I was actually glad that it didn't. Oh, it wasn't IMAX style encompassing the entire screen because right. I felt comfortable. I didn't feel claustrophobic. I mean, that's the, there was no sense of claustrophobia. That's the thing that the cinema apps that I use with the DK2 were missing is that most of them seated you so far back either too close or too far back. There's like a real sweet spot that seems like it would be closer than you would sit in a normal theater, yeah. but oh further God. away than like the first three rows. That makes the chatting room, social room, avatar experience. You mean the tricky connect. because who gets the best seat in the virtual space? Everybody gets the best seat in the virtual no, space. No, Cause then you're looking at each when you're looking at each other, no, no, it doesn't no, no. work. Look, yeah, it does. Because it's just like it's like when you play a board game online, everybody wants to be the red player. But if I want to look left and matter. see Jeremy to my left, yeah, he's in Jeremy what, what, sees you to the right. The row is infinite. N- not if you're doing. That's only if you're doing two people. No, no. You if you're doing hundred people, and I want to, I want to make sure that that I see Johan down there five rows and wave to him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then for him to look at me, it, the spatial relationships have to be exactly the same. No, all that means theater. all that has to be right is the rela- relative relationships. It's but space is relative. Add, but once you add three people, doesn't matter. So if 
the I computer need, knows where you're looking. You know where he's looking. Right. His computer knows where we he's looking. It can translate all of that stuff. It does, no, 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 no. Virtual if, it's pointers, if, man. If Johan needs to be five rows in front and Jeremy needs to be four seats to the uh-huh. left, then Jeremy and Johan needs to be that perspective too. And so we can't all have the it best It can seats. all translate. Then the, 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 render- the computers can, re- can adjust everything. But then the rendering of the theater doesn't work. Yeah, it does. I'm kind of with normal. Because Jeremy sees the screen from his perspective. <laughs> I don't think we'll... It's I like, totally understand what you're saying. What I'm telling you is that this is a software problem. You can fix it. In the real world, the software is malleable, and yeah. the rendering viewpoint is up to the computer. But won't the geometry of the actual space have to be different? Do you, do you think that's... Do you think that's... What is it? What is it? Are you drinking? What's he drinking? Do you think that's air you're breathing, Jeremy? No! <laughs> it's all virtual. The computer give you whatever you want. All right, well. The, the design of the cinema would have to change to not represent a real physical cinema. Can I change topics for a second? <sighs> yes. Carmack was very insistent that the uh, photographic panoramas were, yeah. the, were the most uh, technical. Um, uh, he was most proud of the technical aspects of that demo. Yeah. Um, can you talk about Because it really maximized the resolution of the screen, and I guess it was a, it was a good experience for him. How did you, how did you like it? The uh, you don't get a sense of presence. This is what Carmack's been working on for a while. Gear VR, Gear VR, it seems like. Um, I think usable the pixels. I think I still think those photos were not good enough quality. Well, they're not three D. They're not three D photos. Were they like gigapixel images, or were they? Uh, They weren't. They weren't gigapixel. They were licensed. Like they bought them. They seem to be pretty proud of them. They are high resolution, but Hmm. I didn't feel like it was that much better than you know like like high, a real, high, a, 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 an actual gigapixel being able to turn your head is nice and that sim- that effect yeah. work well carmack said the it would, it would legitimize well. the um the taking of panoramic photos carmack has said a lot of things over the years yes and many I, of them are right aren't they i think panoramic uh, video was the was the oh, you like that one more you mean yeah, like stitched video stitched that was video yeah which it can't them, you see the seams in that event? no uh, so that was the better that's a good part of it who did they have doing that they did a, a film i don't know who they shot uh who shot it but Cir- the demo was with the Cirque du Soleil um the people that you talked to sh- were Down there in Palo Alto, okay. but and that could have been who shot that demo uh the thing i asked with uh palmer was uh will you get positional tracking and obviously, if we cure yeah. can't matter. do that. His response was really interesting. He says that some people are. All, he said, "Yes, yeah, some people are absolutely doing positional, positional video inside video in three D vi- uh, panoramic video, yeah, which I think just is orientation, a, not no, no, not no. head movement. He meant head movement. He said so they're that, warping that pe- the video. Pe- to, people will be no, not, they're not only, warping. You're filming at different spots and then stitching in a way, and I guess warping so that you get some head movement. But Maybe, he, he was also saying that seems, in the in the very near future, people will not only be digesting the video images, but also the depth of the Well, of the I was going to say, it seems like if you 3D scan the room right. rather than rather than just shoot video, yeah. then then that becomes possible. But then Which, you're going to still get in a perspective where you can't see the back of the thing from the camera, and then it's just going to get weird. Yeah, I think there must be a window of movability. Yeah. So, so I talked to people at, at XO who are doing video stitching like open source video stitching. I think it's called Ella VR, E-L-E-V-R. And they had the best stitched video I've ever seen. But when I talked to them about their workflow, it was frankly kind of terrifying. Like and it I was think, like two weeks of work. Yeah, for a not only show. will stitching be a problem. I mean, they're working on that. And computationally, it'll, be, it'll get better with algorithms. Yeah. And it'll reach to a point where they can get good enough mm-hmm. to, to make the workflow work. Um, but the filming of it, like the camera setups, the rig setups for video right now, it's challenging just to gets the ball so we can shoot video from enough directions so it's stitched properly, but then to also get depth data 
for that. Right. And then also have more cameras so you can actually yeah. feel, get that well, new data. And and it's just cha- it changes the language of, of cinema too. Like it is a completely different way. Yeah, yes. it's every bit as different as when we got you know cameras that could move and cameras that you could do tracking shots and pan shots and tilts and zooms and all that stuff. Cinematographers My, already have um, they they can control what you focus on with depth of field, but when we're yeah. talking about this, they can't even control what you're looking well, at. Well, and and most film shoots, TV shows, everything. There's the part that's on camera, which is a tiny fraction of the room, and then there's all the supporting stuff, all the lights and microphones and all those guys in the background. Yeah, and like most, like it's it's much more like a theater. At, at that point, you might as well do it in 3D and make a game. Yeah, but they want <laughs> it's much they, easier. But you want the Beck music, you know, the the on stage experience yep. with, with with Beck playing right in front of you, right yep. in the band, you're right in, on stage with the Rolling Stones. I think for the near future, the best experiences will be without positional tracking, uh, maybe uh, with with just head turning. And I think th- directorally, um, we're going to learn. The, Filmmakers have to learn the language of cues. So Cirque du Soleil, they had cues in the performance, in a very scripted performance. They've always done that. Um, to point your heads to the right direction. And well, so he's talking about for the oh, Oculus. No, no, but I'm saying like Cirque du Soleil, if you've ever been to a Cirque du Soleil show, is really good at yeah. putting a shitload of stuff on, on stage at once. So there's always a ton of stuff happening. But very like there are points in that performance where you are strongly encouraged through subtle cues to look at yes, specific yeah. stuff. And this that's, it gets augmented when you're sitting in the middle of that performance as opposed to them facing you, it being a 2D cue. It's a mm-hmm. 3D, what spatial sound cue. The, the stuff I want to see shot are things like Sleep No More, that thing in New York that Braga went to, the the you know the closed building live interactive stage show where basically perf- performers are in the, in the theater and everybody else puts on a mask and a cloak and mm-hmm. walks through and it's kind of just like flies on the wall of this thing that's taking place in a massive in a fairly large building with dozens of actors working. Yeah. I don't know if we'll be able to get that film live anytime soon. Anyway, uh, gear yeah. VR, they had a ton of game demos. It sounded like they were ready to populate for that VR. for gear VR. Oh really? Uh, Lucky's, stuff we've Tale, seen? Lucky's Tale was in there with no positional tracking, which sucked. Oh. <laughs> like not being able to look <laughs> your, not, not your head in. Cause they, there's a controller that they're going to sell with this, yeah. like a little Bluetooth controller, which I didn't really talk about in the video, uh, which looked, it was a little flimsy. Um, um, but it, I mean, Android, you can use almost any Bluetooth controller sure. uh, with what, what about, um, did they show like uh, super hot and stuff like that? Cause I can't imagine that would work without no, positional stuff. No, no, super hot, super, um, hot. super temple hot. run. I did temple run from first person. Remember when Oculus came out last year? I'm like, we had to do like endless runners from the first person, but you did temple run like the actual, they, they have, uh, they have a VR version of temple run first okay. version, first person. I, but you use a combination of your head tilting yeah. and also the controls. Huh. I didn't like that that much. Okay. Uh, it, maybe it was because it was Temple Run. I, I think that they Temple could, Run they could is have a little bit that. compelling. Yeah, I still think first person runners, endless runners from the first person is compelling, but um, the speed has to be right. Like the, the ramp up, the jump to speed, mm. uh, the way I, I think that you need to be a fine balance between head look. Like, yep. you know how mouse look for FPS games, yep. and, you know, 20 years ago was the thing. Yep. And it, it was a breakthrough thing and it was developed by it. But head look, I don't think they've got right yet. Head look is not the best ideal control mechanism. Um, well, because you, normally you don't hold your head still enough to use it as a controller. Yeah. Even, or, even when you're or as like fr- playing Destiny or, or on screen. Or you don't, you don't whip your head yeah. like that. So, th- I mean, the demos where you have to like, oh, look here and hold your face there for three seconds to activate something. Was yeah. it comfortable? I don't think. It was comfortable. Okay. Yeah. Your viewer was comfortable. Like also, that, that new headband thing with the thing in the front made it, made it more comfortable? 
Uh, it was it was different from Crescent Bay, but it was still it was still comfortable. Okay. Uh, be, it being wireless, the mobile experience spinning around the full chair, I think helped. Okay, and so I hope things will games will be developed for did, that. Did, can we? Did you play any other games that people have under development? Yeah, uh, none of them look like really complete. I played like three or four of them. Uh, there were some accessories there. There was like a like a Tron game, like like you're putting a lot of like just, just scripted sequences where you can look around. Uh, there was some. Uh, there was a world like a like a modeling game, um, but nothing leaps out as the next elite or I didn't super see hot. Or, I didn't see enough of okay. that stuff to, to be able to tell. Um, a lot more stuff. I know we even talked about Carmack's keynote and Abrash's keynote. Uh, I think that's going to go beyond the, the scope of this podcast. We are going to run out of um, time if we talk about that. The Carmack keynote, the big thing that you should take away is that uh, that guy is a goddamn genius. Uh, and I'm, we all knew that, but even more so. And I think that... Uh, How much of Carmack's keynote did you understand without having to Google shit while you were sitting there? 40%. Okay. I that's a pretty good ratio. I think I could follow along all the logical points right. that he said, which I felt really proud about. But... Actually, understanding the implementation was like, oh, I don't. You, how, said, you said you saw two dudes sleeping by the end. There were two dudes <laughs> in the front row, just like, and there was a great Reddit picture. Like Carmack literally melted someone's brain. I saw that dude. How long did he, he was talk? Like, oh, <laughs> hour and a half. They okay. kicked him off for so lunch. I did. I live blogged when we were at Max PC a Carmack QuakeCon keynote once, which was I think three hours. And at the end of that, it was like four, four or five thousand words of live blog, and I, my wrists were broken. Yeah, like no, I had no, to go. There's ice. no reason. And the so guy does it, it with was, no notes. Right, he comes up no teleprompting. I, I, I don't have anything prepared today. Right. Sorry for not providing notes. So I guess we'll just free flow it, and it's like free flow, free flow rap for an hour and a half with no water, standing up. I think when he sat down, like Twitch chat exploded. Yeah. So oh my god, he moved his lower body, and they had to kick him off stage. They kicked he, him off stage. He. Like the thing that I love about when Carmack does a keynote like that, where he just comes up and is like, well, I don't have anything prepared, is that you get a glimpse at what it's like inside his head. Yeah. Because it's just stream of consciousness the whole time. But so organized. So and organized. Super organized. From yeah. both the Carmack and Abrash uh, keynotes, uh, we've got a really good sense that these are really pragmatic people. They know the the limitations of what they can do, even with all their coding wizardry. And they know the limitations of, from a business and production standpoint of what they can get out of their partners. Like Oculus, regardless of how much, how strong their partnership with, is with Samsung, only has so much say over this multi-billion dollar enterprise of panel making. I mean, yeah, Samsung's going to sell millions and millions of panels for phones and a few hundred thousand Oculus kits initially, presumably. So... Uh, but it was really good, to, refreshing to hear what they, they they knew, what battles they wanted to fight, yeah. and what they can get out of that. And I think that from Carmack's perspective, he's so smart. He knows that the things he's going to develop for Oculus and the panel optimizations that he's fighting for and that he's coding for will make their way not only on the desktop side, but also on the smartphone side. And like that's a competitive advantage for Samsung to be in a partnership with Oculus, to have Carmack optimizing their panels. He was saying now they have 240 hertz input from the camera. Yeah. Now if once they, now that they have that, why not use the screen technology, exactly. the interlacing technology that he's trying to push for to be able to display 240 hertz. I know. Hertz that's brilliant. Video. That's the selling point. So they're going to strobe pixels on the panel, basically. Strobe pixels on the panel every eighth line or every twelfth line or, or in a programmable way. Yeah. That's bananas. That's rocket yeah. science. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Anything else before we move? There's uh, there's a fair amount of other stuff we need to Jeez, get through uh, this week. I think we can continue this another time. But do you want to just do a separate breakout like Google Hangout where we talk about this on Friday uh, or something? 
we can let's see what the comments what or questions want. are like, and yeah. then we'll see. Maybe we'll talk about this next time Jeremy's on. But there's so much stuff from Oculus Connect. Crescent Bay is the real thing. This um, the keynotes are all online now, right? Or they will be soon they, if they're they not are, already. They're on Twitch. Yeah, they're on Twitch. Okay, so you can go watch them, see what they talked about. Um, if you want to listen to Carmack talk for an hour and a half, you can do that. If you want to hear Abrash talk, you can do that. Um, I, I would, I would advise both of those. They're both good talks. Um, other stuff. Nvidia new hardware. Maxwell we talked about this earlier. The, yeah. the, I've been waiting so long for this. This is the this is the new generation of architecture. The follow up to 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 um, Titan. Basically, the stuff in Titan, the uh, Kepler, Kepler. Thank so you. So they they skipped the GTX 800 series. Yes, and which I know a lot of people the nine. Straight for the nine. It's that big of a jump. Performance wise, it's not that big of a jump, but power consumption wise, it is. They're calling it a um, upgrade for the 600 line, and yeah. they're just eliminating the 700 line. So is the does this mean yes? It, the Titan goes away. Or is there going to be a Titan version of Maxwell? I'm sure there'll be a Titan version of Maxwell. Okay. The 780 and 70 Ti, 780 Ti's are gone. Uh, it looks like a GTX Titan 700 series. Um, the reason they compared it to 600 is that's, that's where their mo- the biggest performance boost is at. Yeah. And they know from a marketing standpoint, uh, from a user standpoint, most people upgrade. Like you have been upgrading since, this, like, have been waiting for the 6 series. 7 series yeah. was a good performance jump over 6, but it was just so power hungry. Like 240, 265 watts. This is 165 watts. And a lot wow. of that stuff is optimizations from Tegra that they've put from yeah. uh, that they've learned uh, developing on the ARM side, um, which was great news for me because it uses the exact same power as my 600, as my 680. Yeah. So yeah, you can you don't have to get a power supply. So you can talk right. about like the, the SLI works well. We talk about SLI for VR or something that, that they're enabling with this, rendering each side of the frame. I uh, can't imagine that that's going to work well. I, I don't. I, they Given didn't the latency that. involved, yep. it seems like single card is the way to go. And also the Maxwell demos, uh, the, the Crescent Bay demos were all using single Maxwell cards. Yeah. Single 980s. Oh, is that true? Single, I mean, it's single 980s. They told you that? That's cool. I think it came out somewhere online. Okay. Somebody probably looked at the back of one of the demo computers. They didn't tell me specifically that, but that's that's the general consensus. Um, They're running one Maxwell card. This seems Um, like a... Like they pushed the VR angle on this real hard. They they did, and a lot of it's kind of BS. So there are three big uh, in the power efficiencies and performance improvements because it's like a you know a multi trillion dollar transistor billion multi billion transistor chip, big chip. Um, Is it twenty four nanometer process? Twenty eight stall. Twenty eight stall. Okay. Um, the uh, the big three features they have is now they have uh, downsampling built in. So most people have ten eighty p screens. I'm not going to call you a chud, but I think that you're calling lots of people chuds. Today, I think it's 25. Dial I, I think it's 2560 by 1440. Don't be exclusive, Norm. A, a 27 yeah. inch 2560 by 1440 screen is a sweet spot for gamers right now. But it's understandable. 1080p screen. Yes, stand up, Jeremy. While you, you have that. to stand. Yeah. I, I don't see the lever. Oh. This is amazing radio. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, now you can play your 1080p games actually rendered at 2560 by 1600 and then downsample or 2560 by 440. So why would you do that instead of just multi-sample AA? Uh, because it actually looks a lot better. Really? It looks a ton better. Okay. Yeah. It, it's not just the edges. It's act, every all everything is being rendered. It, it's more of a performance. I would think that the textures would get muddier and stuff like that, but probably it's faster actually, to render higher resolution scale down than it is to render like 8xAA, I guess, yes. right? Yes. It's, more, it's computationally more intensive, but... 
uh, it looks genuinely in the side by side demos. I looked looks better, and also your screenshots capture at the full resolution that's being rendered in the. Oh, buffer. that's interesting. And also, not only your screenshots, but shadow play also. When What's you use, shadow play? That's Nvidia's built-in H.264 encoder, so it's, you can enable it to record video at any time or back buffer video, so you can say save the last T-Bro. thirty seconds. So it's like Fraps built in. Yeah, they've had that since the seven hundred series. No kidding. Except it yeah. runs in the background, so you so if something awesome happens and you weren't recording video, you can match the button real quick and it'll like, save Fraps the buffer. Fraps is computational computationally intensive. It kills your CPU. Yeah. Uh, but this, because the encoder is built into your card and has been since Kepler, it's actually on the Tegra side too. It actually records whatever you want yeah. up to a it's certain time. It's always saving. And it's always saving video. And now the always saving video is at 2560 by 1440. So you can go straight to YouTube at super high. At the native at that native resolution. Yeah. At, at, at your whatever. Yeah, at, at 30 this, FPS. This 30, is the, okay. This 30, is the benefit uh, yeah. of having. Oh, yeah, it's only 60, 30? Uh, 30 or 60 now. 60, yeah. It caps, sure it, caps it, it caps it at some point. It's not the frame rate that you're playing the game at, yeah, okay. but it's at like 60, it's the, 60 the, FPS. This is the benefit of having the video encoder. The H, uh, H264, it basically makes H.264 encoding at that at that resolution and frame rate free. So games that you know normally you play a, that look that you are running at 200 FPS on your 1080p monitor, now you can run at 100 FPS and look that much better because you're downsampling in so the background. This is a this is a card that's designed for 2K and 4K displays. No, 1080p displays again. Like if you have a 1080p but display, no, no, I get it. But I mean, it seems like they're like if you're buying wise. a high-end video card at this point and you have a 1080p display, probably you're okay with the performance sure. you have now yes. until we look at real VR right. stuff. Right. Okay. So what's the VR? Uh, oh no, no. And then the other other feature, uh, they added a new anti-aliasing. Um, it's called MFAA. Uh, I don't know exactly all its. Fucker. Yeah. They said it was the Sam Jackson of aliasings. That's they terrible. Didn't, didn't they say that? They said that they didn't say that. They said a, okay. it has been called that. That's terrible. And I you totally you did joke. it immediately. So it's, you, it's you the obvious joke. Yep. Um, and it gives you double the performance of MSAA. So when people run. Uh, 8x MSAA, which is a huge performance uh, dip. Um, you can M- run basically the f- f- 8x MFAA at the performance of 4x MSAA. Oh my god! If you want anti-aliasing, you're an anti-aliasing nerd. <laughs> all that, that there you go. All that that stuff does <laughs> is render only the pixels you need to anti-alias something at a much higher resolution. And they right? do some geometry math in the background yeah. to smooth out the edges. It looks good. The frame. I mean, I never run AA. I, if I run AA, it's like two X. Good for you, man. I, I, I keep yeah. it real. I run at twenty five sixty well, by sixteen hundred. I don't need AA. On, well, on the VR side, remember because oh, you need true. AA because it's running at lower resolutions. Yeah, it hit me. So you'll they want you to run MFA. So here's the and the third thing is there's global illumination now, like almost ray tracing. Remember our conversations back at PC Gamer like eight years. Yep, you know, we're talking about what is real ray tracing? What is real? This, they have this, one real ray 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 tracing. You get one real global light. Oh, one global light now. So okay, so what that means is there is a one point light source one point in the light world source that is that can, super. They can the game developers can add in a real engine later this year that was dynamic for everything that you put in that in that light. How much of the GPU does that take? That is like about a twenty percent performance hit. Really wow. on that. Wow, yeah. and that's this is what was debunking the uh, so yeah their demo this year truthers with every uh, GPU release they do like a, a demo you know from the werewolves and the whatever the, the um, fish the, the fish and the, the swimming mermaid and the the dancing right. girl the girl from the, top model and the girl from top model um, so the demo history. this year is uh, a uh, recreation of Apollo eleven the photos and they say they debunk the uh, naysayers of Paul Levin by using global illumination nice job, guys. to show where the shadows actually bounce. It's now a clever there are demo. No more questions. Good. You know what? I, I think the press ate that shit up. Make oh sure, yeah. Mission make, accomplished. Sure, oh my God. Video cards. 24 hour news cycle. I, you will not see us 
talking about that in I kind of want to see the demo. The demo is cool. The, the demo, demo looked really uh, neat. Yeah, the rendering was really nice. They talked about talking to NASA scientists and talking about reflectivity of both moon dust and, and stuff like that. Blah, 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 blah. It's a cool demo. Anyone who buys a 980 will be able to demo it and try it out. Um, I have a question. Those are the three main features. I want to hear about v VR. VR. Hold on. So Back to VR. We only talked for an hour about it. <laughs> okay. This is All right, the, Will. Um, you have a question? I forgot now because I was going to make a VR joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, VR side, they, they call it VR Direct. Um, unconfirmed whether that NVIDIA, that you'll, you'll need that when I asked Nate about the VR partnership. Uh, they said that they're happy that NVIDIA is doing this, but they're not going to design Oculus in a way that you're going to need an AMD card or NVIDIA card. Nice. Um, NVIDIA's claim is that 50 milliseconds of latency right now gets toned down to 32 seconds of, to 32, like they shave off What's, over What latency 20, are we talking about? Right, in they, frame they, render? So in their white paper, it actually says... Who is white oh, paper? In NVIDIA's white paper, 10 milliseconds is shaved off from OS overhead. Nebulous. Okay. Well, that means um, they're using a more lower API layers probably, right? Sure. Uh, like eight milliseconds is take or four milliseconds taken off from the advantages of MFAA anti-aliasing. Oh. So this is already the assumption that using MSAA and the other optimizations, it, they when the way they break it down made it seem like and you maybe you don't. It's not as big of a breakthrough, right? As this, you, but this they, sounded like, especially since they wouldn't commit to a, you know, since Nate wouldn't commit to Nvidia being the way they were going, the way it's best to be played. It seems like this is a like much more of a make you feel good about buying a card that you want to use for VR next year than a thing that you will actually use for VR next year. Like potentially, I mean, I could be wrong, but presumably no no consumer rift this year there will be another card released between now and when next year hits yeah same same core but everything yeah. could change yeah. a lot Before of stuff could consumer, change yeah. Yeah. yeah it could be a different next process fall. size even because yep. if they're at 28 nanometers still tsmc is doing 20 nanometer now for apple and a little different on the gpu side but yeah sure. I, no i know i mean but you could get four twenty four easily Theoretically, at least. Well, I, I just spent four hundred fifty dollars on this card, so let me justify my purchase. You should have five hundred fifty dollars. Did I spend that much? <laughs> on Jesus, Jeremy. It's so two new cards: GTX nine eighty, GTX nine seventy. The nine seventy is only three hundred thirty dollars. That's aggressive pricing. How much faster is this than my T eighty the seven eighty Ti? Uh, it's gonna be like a ten percent faster than your seven eighty T. Oh, seven eighty Ti, maybe five to ten percent faster. Wow. Um, but ha. power consumption. Is that what you have? Yeah. Power consumption wise. Uh, half you know, 165 watts and quiet. Ah, super that sounds quiet, pretty good. Super quiet, super power efficient. Seven and overclockable too. I just so put they my do native overclocks. People have been over overclocked. You can get another 10 percent with overclocks. You know the, the GeForce no logo problem. lights up on the top of the card. Don't care. I don't care about don't that. A, don't have a glass door. Um, quickly, the other <laughs> Nvidia stuff. Uh, the VR Direct also does built native uh, asynchronous warp. Stuff which is going to make away the desktop side. What does that mean? No, that's, that's a big deal. That's what the Gear VR has. Yeah, Gear VR is asynchronous warp, which means uh, where frames are normally double buffered, you render, you take the information from, you render one part of the frame first, and then you get, you incorporate the head tracking information into the very end. Oh, and so okay. you, you warp your skew frame, perspective, basically. skew your frame to match the most recent head tracking information. Now that only works to some extent. Uh, some type of movement, um, but it's one well, of the tricks you get. Um, with a high enough frame rate. Does that rate, mean they render it's more... Like, it's like frame rate insurance, Carmack and Charles. Yeah, yeah. They, they render more scene than they would otherwise because it's like for lateral movements and stuff like that, right? It's not for for twisting. It's only for side to side. It's like image stabilization for head tracking. Yeah. I believe it's it's a little bit everything. Okay. It's like a, they warp it. Okay. The other takeaway I talk, I got from, from NVIDIA and uh, Carmack's thing was that 
the way video cards are designed now, the way the the yeah. the, uh, the workflow through the GPU is not optimized for VR, and I don't think it can be just through software and drivers. So I could, and this is complete speculation on my part, see four years from now VR specific video cards. Yeah. Like a G- if Nvidia. that became a huge thing, yeah, like a All VR right. video card that I guess. That, um, okay. They also did VR these SLI. Are, you can buy these now. VR SLI. Because um, previously, I guess currently with a 680, 780, you have to, if you have an SLI set up, you get one frame per card. And yeah. that's no good for VR. No. But now they're doing one side of the screen here's, per, per Here's card. the thing about buying two video cards instead of one. Always buy one video card. I've, I've only ever bought one. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's one of the new things. Mm-hmm. They also did their, they're porting all of the 3D vision support to VR. That's good. Well, not necessarily because there's no head tracking. Oh, right. Okay. So it's just it's just a 3D screen. Right, so here's here's the thing about now if if they could do that and project it into a 3D space like onto a really awesome computer monitor, that might be kind of cool. Well, you can do that already. No, no, no. But oh, oh like you mean the in the inside card. the goggles? Yeah, like if Nvidia did like really did a nice VR treatment of 3D vision, that yeah. would be awesome. Um, I will say one thing about the Nvidia thing. Uh, one last thing before we jump to the next. Topic. You have a card. I have a card. I'll be testing it. And I think one of the reasons I cut a card, I went to a briefing last week, but I didn't go to like the big NVIDIA briefing. This a little inside baseball. Uh, when video card companies do these brief- briefings, they take like a hundred journalists and analysts to re- a retreat or something and like give them a two day, you know, technical session. We didn't get invited to that. That's okay. I'm not bummed about that. We, we haven't gone. We have been invited in the past and just never went because they take too fucking they, long. They, they're two days. And like this year, they, they brought everyone to like Monterey and put them on kayaks. And it was like a big <laughs> production just to show you like to give you a sense. It's like of old how, school video game press junket. Yeah, just to give you a sense of like how, how important this release was for them. Um, and I got the, like the chud briefing where it was like, oh, it's in front for 15 minutes or t- like an hour meeting and it run you through the PowerPoint slides at the end. Like, oh, do we get a card to test? And like, uh, yeah, we'll give you some images of the card and some assets over Ooh. FTP. Uh, but in the demo that I, where I was giving, I was doing one of the demos, I was using their hardware and I, this is, I can't be specific about this, but I called out something. I noticed something. Are you patting yourself hardware, on the back here, yes, Norm? That they then freaked out about because in their entire demos, all their demos, no one had noticed. Why don't you call this out? You've got the eye of Because it's an embargoed like, a oh, feature. That okay. It, they, they were beta testing a feature okay. on something. And they that, left it turned on for you? Well, intentionally, everyone saw it. Everyone used it, but... When the announcement was it will be made, I'm going to call it out because it's a call to everyone else who's used that hardware but didn't know that feature was there. You see stuff. Um, see. Yeah. Congratulations, Norm. Pat yourself on the well, back. Now we, we got a video card. We can test it. We could have bought one too, but probably wouldn't have. As okay. Long, as long as I get a better frame rate in my space sim, I'm, I'm good. Okay. So let's. we got more news and we got very little time left because we've got a hard stop in about 20 minutes. Okay. Um, Cirque du Soleil, I'm going to skip the Cirque du Soleil quadcopters. There's a really cool video on Tested. Go watch it. Cirque du Soleil did a really cool thing with Phantom DJ Phantoms. It looks like Fantasia. Go watch that video. It's really neat. Um, there's a Soderbergh staging cut of Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is, I think, the most interesting film thing I've seen in ages. He, Steven Soderbergh of Ocean's Eleven and a bunch of other awesome movies. Um, I don't know why I pulled Ocean's Eleven there, but Sex, Lies, and Videotape on down. It's all good, man. It's all good. He... Uh, plays what seems to be a game with himself where he takes films that he is especially fond of or thinks are particularly well constructed and then strips out all the extraneous stuff like color and sound and watches them to see how the scenes are set and how the scene is staged as if it's like a theater stage 
like in that in that sense of the term and watches the movie that way. It's on, I think, his blog. Is that where it was? It's on his blog. Um, if you search for Steven Soderbergh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's the first thing that comes up. I would encourage you to go watch that now because I I don't think he's going to get nasty grammed, but you never know. He has a full he has his version of Raiders. The if black you have white, a no copy, if you have a copy of Raiders, you can just put it through a premiere filter and make it black and white. It's the same thing. That is true too. Uh, and I think this is just, I, I think it's cool. I think that he does all this stuff all the time. And I think this is the one that just got a ton of attention. It's, it's an interesting, it's interesting because it gives you a glimpse into the way he's, See, he sees film, how he watches movies, not because of anything else. I think read his other blog posts. Yes. If you're interested at all. Um, iPhone six is out. There's been a rash of news stories. The big dumb one, I think, is that the phone bends in your pocket. Dumb, like people shouldn't be covering that or dumb that it happens. I think since the iPhone antenna kerfluffle of the iPhone 4 antenna launch, gate, yes. don't ever put gate after a word and make that a controversy. It's terrible. Um, I didn't do it. I'm just saying don't encourage that behavior. It's bad <laughs> for everyone. But people, there's a hunt for the flaw that affects a small number of people that's going to get a lot of traffic for sites that cover this stuff. And then there's a secondary effect where sites that cover sites that cover stuff, it gets out of control. Somebody put their phone in their pocket. They apparently wear tight pants. It, they said it bent. I wear reasonably tight pants. Norm, you wear tight pants. I don't imagine this does not feel like a real thing that affects a significant number of people to me. Like if you look at the scale of the iPhone of a launch like the iPhone launch where they sold 10 million of them in three days or four days or whatever the window was, something that affects half of a percent of people is going to hit 50,000 people, which is a massive number of people. And, and like there's, there's a sense of scale here that people get that is difficult for humans to comprehend it. Yeah. It's gotten a lot of coverage. If 50 people have a problem, that is a lot of people in a human. I'm standing in a room with 50 people sense. It is literally nothing. A ten one thousandth a million, of a percent. One in a million means a thousand people in China. Yes. I was disturbed by the uh, will it bend videos. Those people are crazy. They're crazy. Because yeah. there's a battery in there, and you don't want to puncture that battery. It, especially, I mean, and it does flex. Just to be clear, these phones do flex. I've flexed my 5s flexes if you if you put enough force on it if you put enough force on it to break it like the guy did in that one video you can break any phone they are fragile devices so anyway people are blowing this out of proportion i think i may be completely wrong apologies in advance if i am there's a lot of traffic at stake for finding the first dramatic flaw scary flaw in a new apple product now as a result of the antenna thing which was real just I'm, to be clear i'm glad yours has not been don't buy a phone too big for your pocket. Yeah. How about that? Don't put your fucking phone in your back pocket and then sit down and expect it to be okay. We've known that for a long time. Um, Camera Plus has a great blog post where they took, um, I think it's Tap 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 is the name of the company. The people that make Camera Plus, they took all the iPhones that have cameras, took pictures of them all using Camera Plus, posted the pictures in different situations side by side, and it really highlights how the cameras have changed over the years. I just, it's not a review. I just thought it was an interesting story. You can find it by searching for Camera Plus, and uh, I think it's on snap, snap, snap photos is the, their URL. So also, that's a really dumb URL. Uh, Chipworks decapped the A8, and there's a story on a Nantech that explains what's inside that CPU. I thought it was interesting, 20 nanometer process, which is the first thing we've seen presumably out of TSMC, uh, and it only has a quad-core GPU instead of the six or eight core that was presumed based on the performance claims. So I uh, don't know exactly what that means yet. Haven't seen, 
benchmarks to show. That's iPhone 6 news. We'll talk about testing in a minute. Uh, the screen, Raymond Scenario from Display oh, right, Mate, said it was the 6 Plus is the best LCD screen he's ever seen and tested. And this guy is the display expert. It seemed like his knock against the 6 screen is just that it, the pixel down, the resolution's too low. He, like he didn't have any complaints about the quality of that screen either. Um, iOS 8 being out now, there are uh, camera apps that allow, tap you, allow you to tap into full manual camera control. The first one is called Manual. I think it's $2 in the App Store. Have you used it? I don't have uh, iOS 8 installed on my phone. Okay. On my iPhone 5. Um, the uh, the extensions and stuff are out. I One password, like last week, there were dozens of iOS 8 apps installed uh, on everybody's phones. If you had updates installed automatically, uh, the extension stuff is awesome in Safari. Chrome now supports JavaScript, full JavaScript speed. Oh, good. Presumably, they, they I haven't actually run the benchmark yet. It just hit on my phone this morning, hmm. but it said iOS 8 improvements, including blah, blah, blah. Cool. So fingers crossed on that. That's very exciting. Um, Still can't set it up as a default browser. Unfortunately, you can set it up. Some apps will so, recommend, recognize it yeah, as the yeah, default but not browser, the system browser, but yeah. not at the system level. If you're in any Google app. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Even most third-party apps that are good support Chrome at this point, um, Twitter clients and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's a it's a big big improvement. I'm waiting on Tweetbot for iOS eight. It's not happened yet, and he's having problems, so I'm sad. Um, Ray Ozzy launched a thing called Taco. This T- is the ex uh, CTO of Microsoft. Ex CTO of Microsoft. Ray Ozzy is more than that. He he's the he was the guy behind Lotus Notes. Which, though mocked now, was an incredible productivity thing for corporate stuff and brought email to corporations that couldn't have had email otherwise in the late 90s. Um, He's a super smart guy. Taco, have you installed it? Have you have you looked at it? You guys should look at it. I'd be interested to see what you think. It's um, it's kind of a real time image and uh, voice sharing app. So you can. Like if you if I'm talking to Gina and she has it open and I have it open, then it works like a walkie talkie where you press a button and she hears the voice immediately as soon as it blasts across without having to press anything. Yeah. When you send a picture, you take the picture and just say, "Okay, this is the picture I want. Boom. Mm -hmm. And it just sends. You don't have like you don't have four clicks like you do with sending a text message picture to get the picture. Is this the one you want to use? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, send it finally. Well, that's not the case anymore. It, it is it is much better now. This is still yeah. one step hmm. faster than that. I hmm. think I have to look and see. Okay, um, you can send a video. I think live. It's a it's an interesting thing. I don't know that it's going to go anywhere. It's it seems almost like WhatsApp or uh, what's the other one? The one that Facebook bought, a Snapchat for grownups for like corporate or, annotate, work or something like you can, that. You can color code parts of the conversation, pull things out. It's it's like. It's it's making a conference call or a phone call usable as opposed to it being something that you just save and never never uh, yeah it's almost it's somewhere between like Slack and Campfire and those kinds of like chat based uh, groupware apps that let you work with a small team and keep everything in one place mm-hmm. uh, it's almost like that for personal more personal use I mean it seemed like if you had a team that did events and stuff like that it would be super duper useful um, I, beyond that I don't. I don't really know. It's worth looking at. I thought it was neat. Are you using any of the, any of the keyboards? Uh, I'm using Swift Key. Yeah, you like it? 
I am quite fond. Yeah. I think it's really good. I'm just a little worried because they have to send everything out to the cloud, and so there's a warning if you give these keyboards permission that they, they don't actually, have to send it out to the cloud. They have the option. If you give no, I'm saying if you give them full permission, if yes. you want to use it as a keyboard, presumably they could be keyloggers. Then yeah, I mean they are you know monitoring what you say in order to do the prediction. SwiftKey is pretty well established and has been around for a while. I, I feel okay. I feel so okay is, trusting them. So is swipe, swipe right? yeah, yeah. Some of the other folks that are brand new and this is their first product. Yeah. you know I might if if the like I would use the normal sniff test on mm. these. Presumably, iOS Apple is looking at these people to see if they're actually sending stuff out. Who knows? I, I you know, use caution. Yep. Trust people that have been established for a while and have good businesses. I don't know that I would install a bunch of free keyboards. I think that's probably a, always a good place to be. Um, uh, Blizzard canceled its next MMO, Titan, after seven years in development. Ooh. That is. A, that's a, the one that's going to need the Masters of Doom type story. I think. I think all of these have the, a Masters the game of Doom that type never story. Was. Well, this is Blizzard's not been shy about canceling stuff over the years. I mean, they spent three years working on Ghost and then pulled the plug on that. Warcraft. Warcraft Adventures. I don't. Even, that was before my time. I think. That was the the hand drawn animation one. You know, they have so much money that they can afford to do this. But what what a sad thing for those developers. To spend so much of their life on a project that they believed in, and now it's never even going to come to light. I feel, well, ba- I feel bad for them. I, on, on the other hand, I mean, if the, so, Polygon had a good interview with them talking about like why they canceled this, what they what what they started, how they started it, what their goals were, and then you know things have changed a lot in the MMO world in the last seven years. From a time where it was normal for people to pay ten or fifteen dollars a month for a service to you know, MMO after MMO after MMO, including stuff with huge franchises like Star Wars attached, not exactly failing, but not 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 replicating anything approaching the success of WoW. Yeah. And like, I'd much rather them. It's it's impossible for me to say because I'm not a developer and you haven't seen the game and I haven't seen the game, but I think I would rather from the outside. It seems to me that I would rather have something Rather than release something that they had to then shoehorn a modern free-to-play microtransaction-based game into that was originally not that, I'd much rather they just just shelve it. And I have move no on. doubt it was the right decision. Yeah. And what what power is that to be able to be able to make that decision? I mean, millions, t- tens of millions of dollars spent on that. Yeah. seven years of a developing at MMO least. at least, and to make that potentially call, hundreds, hundreds. You yeah. know, hundreds. you know, it's got to be the right decision because it wasn't the the you know the the cheapest one, but. Still, just for the yeah. mere fact that these people spent part of their a good portion of their lives on seven it. years is a lot of your. I mean, yeah. Assuming you were there from the beginning to the end, that is a long time Tears to work shed. on one thing. I'm sure. I, I hope that at some point, I hope that before they wrap the whole thing up, then they'll they'll, you know, I, I kind of want a time of your Release lifestyle yeah. video of <laughs> here's <laughs> like like all the all the Duke Nukem Forever yeah. E3 trailers. You know, you've seen that evolution from yeah. Kind of want that to see what that a little bit like. I want a love letter to that Why game not? from the from the development team. Yep. Um, and that's it for news. Unless anybody has anything else they want to add, um, I'm going to play some music and then we're going to talk about what we've been testing. Uh, here we go. Norman Chan, I'm not going to ask you about VR stuff. Your 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 time is spent. 
I was hoping we'd do the entire podcast and get out I talking enjoyed about it. iPhones. I enjoyed it. Can I say real quickly that I was super impressed by your videos that you oh, shot there? You. They were it, really good. It looked like you were there with a crew. You sat up a camera on a tripod. You framed it. You got the audio right. You did the interview like a pro. You're very comfortable with Nate now. I was, I was very impressed. Well done. Joey, Joey helped a lot. He told you how to do was it. Was Joey there? He no. wasn't doing it. No, no. Okay. We worked on it beforehand to make sure uh, minimize all points of failure. Good work. It was very nerve nerve wracking. Making sure I got, could get everything. Well, yeah. it's terrifying because you can't listen to the audio and you don't know if like somebody's mic is rustling or something like that. What if I forgot to push start? Right. Yeah. Record. Yeah. We've done that before. That was bad. <laughs> um. Okay. Jeremy Williams, you have an iPhone six. Indeed, it arrived um, via UPS. Doesn't matter. How do you like it? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I'm still getting used to the size. I'm typing worse than I used to. Yeah. Are you? And you have the small one. Um, yeah, I have the small one. So I find that apps that have been updated for iOS 8 and thus are aware of the new screen sizes are much better and easier typing. When I use something like TweetBot that hasn't been updated yet and mm -hmm. I get the stupid big keyboard, it is really hard to type. Um, I will show you. Have you? I don't know if you know. It may. It's not as noticeable on the six. Well, you've got a new keyboard. Entire. Oh, I thought you were supposed to have new keys. These are the new. Oh, keys. maybe it's portrait. Oh, you get extra keys. Yeah, but on the five on the legacy apps, it's unusable oh, in portrait. Interesting. Because it doesn't know the new resolution, and it okay. takes up half the screen on yeah. legacy apps. On something like Safari, then it's much smaller. Oh, I see what you're saying. So see, it's like a third of the screen versus half. Yeah. The keys are bigger, which convert, which surprisingly makes it harder to type. Because you fat finger everything. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm typing worse than I used to, but I'm um, generally enjoying the new size. I'm getting a, a hang of holding it in when I'm laying down in bed, like before sleeping. You know, just little little adjustments, but I generally like the new size. Are you size. using a third-party keyboard? Uh, I experimented with one, but then I um, realized that uh, I really just prefer typing still. Maybe it's because I'm an old man. So I'm using SwiftKey, but I'm still typing. Mm -hmm. I just like it because it, it, it pulls dictionary. It builds dictionary from... Facebook and Twitter and Google and Gmail and contacts and all that stuff. So you get a better, yeah. like it makes, it makes, still makes dumb autocorrect mistakes, but at least they're dumb autocorrect mistakes that come from me rather than, yeah. you know, Google thinking that I should be saying ducking more. Yeah. I don't know. I'm also a little tinfoil hat about the third party no, keyboard stuff at this point. Fair enough. I mean, I'm typing passwords and everything. So I just, you know, with all the leaks that are going on, I'm not saying they're a bad company, but who knows? You don't want your nudies online. I don't want anything online. Yeah. Um, have you taken pictures? Great camera. Yeah, no, it's really good. And I think it's not just the lens and everything, the sensor. I think they're doing some new filtering. I um, mean, but some of the contrast stuff is just really quite good. Um, look at that parking meter. <laughs> that is a hellacious parking meter. Uh, I took some 240p, 240 frame per second video of hummingbirds at the hummingbird feeder outside my window. And you can see wings. Mm hmm. Like you can see wings beating. I'll show you. That's is this cool. in camera? I mean, there's no, no, no tweaks, no, edits? No, no, no tweaks. It was a fantastic photo. I know. It's just like, there, there it was. Oh, that is a lovely good, picture. Just good contrast. It, I find that it's much smarter about the um, HDR and light issues. So I zoom in in a minute. You're supposed to be able to do HDR now with just one shot. Like yes. It doesn't combine it three. Does. That's interesting. It does do that. Um, what ends up happening is if you have a shot that would have been dark, like a face would have been dark or something like that, it kind of automatically bumps up just the face, but leaves the rest of it in focus. So you have good sky, like, like in that picture, good mm -hmm. sky behind. Um, what HDR is supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, yeah. I'm gonna fast forward to, through the part that we zoom in. I haven't. I've done on some 240 hertz uh, stuff, but none that's from that, like 20 feet away. Uh, can you hand that to me? I, yeah. I want to see because I thought that that wouldn't be fast enough. I thought so too. That's cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go one three x tonight. I'm gonna sit out in the back, or this weekend I'll sit out in the backyard and wait for them to come up, so I'm three feet away and can get real, real high resolution. Nice. Um. Yeah, I thought the camera's really good. I haven't had a chance to test optical image stabilization versus not ob- optical image stabilization oh, yeah. yet. We should mount them next to each other. You have the six. I have a, Gina has a yeah. six. I'm going to print. I have a, I tried to print a thing last night, but it didn't work. Um, that I could just jam that and a five all together, a 5S all together in the same thing. Cool. So I just hold one thing and they all suffer the same movement. Yeah. But I'm having, it's, it's a little trickier than it sounded. Um, That'll be a good. You have good to return video. it by next Thursday. I have to return it next Thursday <laughs> what? if I'm if not going to keep the six plus. What do you think? It's big. Yep, it's, it's real big. Yep, you could do the Craigslist thing. You know, like just I feel six plus looking for a six. About that. <laughs> Is that a real thing? Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, because the Sixers are super happy because you can't get the six plus. You know, it's like really out of stock. Like plus a hundred ten bucks. Even more yeah. yeah, plus some cash. Wow, that is hilarious. They're selling for fifteen hundred bucks on Craigslist. Six right plus now. looking for a six as a Craigslist thing is the funniest thing I've heard all yeah. day. Did you see? Did you see what the uh, Chinese market was before they oh, announced that they were going to yeah. let them through? It's like three thousand dollars for a phone. Yeah, people are paying people to wait in line in New York to get them a phone to ship it back. Yeah, I saw that video. Um. Anyway, I'm happy. Uh, seems pretty good so far. Battery life on the six plus is is crazy for a new phone. Like I'm using the hell out of it because it's new and shiny, mm-hmm. and battery life is lasting. Battery is lasting much like it's lasting all day despite ninety two percent. You got a fat battery in there. It's like three thousand hundred percent milliamp hour. It's impressive. This day I and a half. I'd say. I feel like mine's going down. Mine's faster. It runs out faster than before. But I've never been right. I'm fine. Um, Norm, you tested a three D scanner. Yeah, the video actually is up right now on the site. Uh, running a long time. It's the Matter and Form 3D scanner. We talk in depth about uh, the perils and pitfalls of home 3D scanning. It's not um, for everybody. Is so the TLDR. They're only perils and pitfalls. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, scanning is challenging, uh, but when in the optimal conditions, uh, you are able to. Uh, print something, scan, and then print something out. That's relatively cool. Uh, Jeremy, I'll show you. I, I have a, the best case example, which... Uh, I think Totoro might be the best right case now. one, but we'll, we'll, it's yeah. pretty good. Is watch, it, watch the video. Is this identical tech to the MakerBot one? It's similar. Okay. It's very, very similar tech. Yeah. It's, it's the dual laser with the camera moving okay. up. We have a different a different thing coming that does it a little differently. It's more like a connect sensor that you kind of hook onto an iPad and swipe, swipe it around. And okay. We'll, we'll, we'll do that when it gets here. Hmm. Um... I've been testing some home automation stuff. We'll do an in-depth video about that soon. Maybe talk about it more next week. Uh, it's finally reached a point where it works. Like I motion sensors are cheap enough that I put them in the rooms that we use in our house. We have a small house, so it makes it a little bit more approachable. I put smart bulbs in the overhead switches, um, put uh, lamp dimmers on like lamps around the house. And now when I walk into my office at night, the light turns on. And it stays on as long as I'm in there. When I walk out, it turns off three minutes later. And is it networked? It's networked. So it uses Hmm. Z-Wave and Zigbee. Hmm. Um, There's a bunch of different hubs on the market. The one that I ended up going with is the SmartThings hub, which I actually backed as a Kickstarter ages ago. And then it was kind of the software was kind of janky for a while. Um, They've updated the software in the last few months and it's gotten 
much more manageable and understandable and kind of role-based. So you set it to do things when you leave the house or when it gets dark at night or like you set these conditions that it, it, uh, um, that are easy for it to understand. And then certain things, behaviors change based on those conditions changing. So like at nighttime, there's a different set of rules for the living room yeah. than there are during the daytime. But since the office is always kind of dark cause it's on the dark side of the house, it has a different set of rules based on, on the, than the living room. Like so you can set rooms or groups of switches to certain sets of rules and, basically they added pointers for switches. So you can have, instead of saying, instead of controlling each switch manually, you can say, okay, this, this group of switches is one thing. And then you can treat that and give yeah. it rules. What about your front door and your garage? So I haven't put any locks on yet. I have a Yale lock coming for the front door. Not super sure about that. I don't know how, what the wife acceptance factor is on that. I'm not putting a garage door. Like I don't use my garage door. I don't park in the garage. Okay. Um, and I, I'm like the points of fail. I'm okay with the points of failure on this being uh, lights not turning on or off. Less cool with it being the front door opening unexpectedly. It's a bigger deal. Yeah, that's much worse. So that might be phase two. Um, but put some Philips Hue stuff in. Put some Hue lights behind the TV to backlight it, which is awesome. Did you highly recommend? Does that. it respond to what's on TV? Uh, no, it's not that smart. All right, um, but it's it's. Uh, it's uh, all that stuff is controlled with the Logitech Harmony now. Um, if you have the Harmony with the Ultimate Hub, you can. I don't know if you can upgrade the old ones yet, but there's a new one out that, that has it, and you'll be able to upgrade the old ones soon. Hmm. Um, and it'll control smart things and and uh, Z, a lot of Z Wave controllers and all sorts of other stuff. It's pretty neat. Um, you're like living in Bill Gates' house in like 1990. It's yeah, I know that's what I've always wanted too. It's um, <laughs> maybe not that size. It's it's gotten to a point where it's more positive it's it's i almost got it to the point that you don't have to think about it like stuff just works mm -hmm. like you walk into the living room the lights turn on you walk out of the light living room lights turn off they turn on when the sun goes down all that stuff it's it's like it's neat it's yeah and and the fact that people are now making relatively inexpensive motion sensors that also include luminance sensors so they have an ir motion sensor just like you'd have on a on a security system but they also pick up ambient light so they can tell when the room's dark and when it crosses a certain threshold it'll just turn on that that has changed the the way that stuff works in a pretty positive way um i think that's it jeremy anything you want to talk about no Oh, two really quick things. Uh, Apple just pulled an update to iOS 8.0.1. If you auto-updated, uh, look online for instructions for how to skip back to 8.0.0. What did they do? Uh, major issues, uh, apparently. <laughs> widespread problems. Uh, they this, had to pull the update. This isn't going live till tomorrow. Well, if you've already installed <laughs> this, 8.0.1... And yeah. you don't know about it, like go, it, it does go it find, automatically, right? But if you did it, find find a way to uninstall it. And what, also, what, BlackBerry announced a new phone, uh, the Passport. We're cool. <laughs> what? What? Um, See you guys next time. Hold on. What? 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 what what's the problem with eight point oh one? Hold on. Oh my god! Did you install it? No, I didn't yet. But I'm just asking. They they pulled it, so because that's the obvious question. I mean, they uh, they never pull updates, so. Yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. killing recept cell reception and touch, touch ID. That seems bad. Oh. Yes. 
Um, if you're having iOS 8 problems with Wi-Fi dropping, the way to fix that is to go into general reset and reset your network settings. That'll wipe all your Bluetooth and Wi-Fi settings. Fixes the problem. Pro tip. It has, at least for me, on like four different devices. That'll do it for us this week. Today's outro. Buy our, buy, go to our live show. Come see us in October. O- October 25th. Uh, tickets at testedlive.eventbrite.com. Yes. Also, or, if you just want to get more information, send us a Twitter message. We'll answer all questions about it. Uh, go to tested.com. Send we'll us, a, send us to it, add so. in Chandler at Will Smith. People were bad about responding to that. Tested.com. Um, post it in the comments if you're going to come and we'll see about doing a meetup if there's enough interest uh we would love to hang out with you guys more than we can after the show so uh that'll do it for us this week today's outro comes from volcane 2004 uh it's about something from last week hi there i didn't see you Part of why it's so good is it's so thick, and so there's a lot more surface area for it to, you know, adhere. Well, and it lets you, you can grind the, the nozzle down just a little bit more, because it'll kind of push, smish, smush flat that first layer yeah. into the pores. That was filthy. Innuendo. Filthy. That's your fault.